Sober Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 18th of December, year of our Lord. Happy holidays out there. Yeah, a little holiday intro. Got a nice cup of uh, peppermint mocha cream in my holiday blend Starbucks, which we're going to bash Starbucks today. Oh, yeah. With the Liga Pravada number nine, Stogie. And a wood stove fire behind me, because it is colder than three feet up a well digger's ass. I guess that saying doesn't make much sense, because inside his ass would still probably be old. Let's say the surface of a well digger's ass. Today we're going to do a combo show of politics and news and social media nuggets. We've got some good stuff um, in both sections, just because, well, it is what it is. Some holidays, some Hallmark. Oh, I got a good story on Hallmark. That's going to be a good section. I'm going to do the politics first just to get it out of the way, and then we'll go into news and social media nuggets. But I wanted to start right off with uh, stats. Great month. Um, United Kingdom. How you doing over there? Still love the Brit rations better than MREs. That's all I got to say. Love Brit rations. So much more sensible. Whole day's food in a box. The curry is fan-fucking-tastic. The tea was awesome. And more importantly, the box had a fucking range card on it. That's just forward thinking right there. I wanted to shout out John SNO, Wasim Mukdad. I'm saying your name wrong, buddy. You couldn't say my real name either, so don't take a fess. M-U-K-D-A-D. And David Clark uh, tore it up. Uh, top city was Clarksville, Tennessee, with a whole bunch of listens. And I'm thinking it's my old next-door neighbor, and I thank you for listening, and I hope you at least got a couple chuckles, and it was interesting. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Onwald, Germany. You were the top cities. So it was a really good month, and I'm really glad uh, people partaked because... Uh, you know, it means a lot that somebody would actually want to listen to me screaming a mic for two and a half to three hours. So I think we're going to start, and we might as well just start with our nice little impeachment soundbite from our media, who, once again, I have that segment that I started for a little bit, probably pull it out a lot in 2020. It's the media pushing the left. Democrats claiming the president violated his oath of office. Republicans say there is no crime. Tonight, Republicans are united in the House against impeachment. But some Democrats, we've learned, are wavering. And several moderate Democrats in swing districts are skittish. Some opposed, others on the fence. Can you explain your current thinking why undecided right now? Because I made a commitment to my district uh, from the, the moment that this began that I'm going to focus on all the facts. Today, we asked Speaker Pelosi. What is your message to those moderate Democrats who are undecided and who are concerned that a vote for impeachment could backfire on them politically? I have no message to them. Yes, people have to come to their own conclusions. 
as we come on the air tonight, the House of Representatives is moving toward impeaching a president for only the third time in U.S. history. It has been a day of passionate debate in the Judiciary Committee, and Democrats have beaten back repeated Republican attempts to throw out those articles of impeachment. They have been at it for hours, and it has been a battle every inch of the way. Nancy Cordes leads off our coverage tonight as she is outside the hearing room. Nancy, what's the latest? Nora, we are more than nine hours in, and this debate is still raging. Republicans are trying to change these articles of impeachment or strip them out altogether. But the two sides could not be farther apart. This idea that impeachment means you have to have the case closed in the House is bogus. I don't know why Democrats didn't make more of this point and set the standard. But I also don't know why they waited as long as they did when they were talking about impeachable acts during Mueller. Or why they let the dossier author keep being maligned as anti-Trump after it came out that he's friends with Trump's daughter. Or why former VP Biden didn't jump all over the right attacking Hunter Biden's mental health struggles and launch a campaign of awareness to counter the stigma that they tried to weaponize. There's a big difference between letting the White House know what's going on when you're not even in control and asking the White House what should happen. That's what Republicans are doing. And they are continuously subordinating their oath to oversee just to be loyal to this president. Now, look, it's not illegal, but there's another word that keeps seeming to fit so much of what this president and his pals do. Dirty. Trump's alleged payoffs to the porn star and the playmate. Not illegal, especially since no one seems to care about campaign finance violations. Not worthy of impeachment, I don't think but dirty. Hashtag Dirty Donald. His conversations with now convicted felon Roger Stone about WikiLeaks. Information that would hurt Hillary Clinton. Asking Russia to interfere more. Going after kids. Playing on gender and diversity issues. Ignoring congressional subpoenas. Refusing to release his taxes. All of it, maybe not illegal, but just dirty. Hashtag Dirty Donald. We all know how it's going to end. There's no chance the president's going to be removed from office. So he just did what you complained about them doing in the House. Dirty to do what you say you're better than. Senate Majority Leader says he's in lockstep with the White House and that the ending is all... Quinnipiac poll just found that 51% of voters now oppose impeaching him. So it looks like his tactics are working because last week it was the opposite. Well, I would say the other side. I think that the Democrats' tactics are failing, and that's really the problem. He hasn't changed. You, you hear that? That's the but same he's always been. Why do you call them tactics? They're just defending the Constitution. No, no, listen, but, but it's a political process, Joy. It is. It's not a legal process. It's a political process. And I think Nancy Pelosi was right in the beginning. She said, if it's not bipartisan, we shouldn't do it. And the reason is because politically, people are not going to go for it. The reason why Nixon was kicked out of office was because it was bipartisan. After a while. Right. Not originally. No, but but we're at the point now where it was bipartisan. Uh, he was sleeping, bipartisan. He was sleeping with Lewinsky. Uh, Lewinsky, this guy's sleeping with Putin. It's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why the facts of this are partisan. I mean, who can't see that the president of the United States pressured a, a foreign government to dig up dirt on his political opponent to inure to his benefit to affect our very democracy? In the next election. Anyone that calls yeah. that, that calls themselves a patriot, you know, 
is is just, just a liar. And I think why you see those numbers changing is we know it's not going to happen, so why are we going through this? Because we know this? the Republicans aren't going to defend the, the Constitution. Well, in the same That's why, Chris, it's the height of hypocrisy that oh, the same sitting senators that are now still sitting voted to impeach and convict President Clinton for having an affair with Monica Lewinsky, but will but not the impeach the same and convict it's this the same thing. president. So they actually set the rules, uh, and they could determine uh, whether or not to sequester uh, themselves. They've decided in the past, because senators are so much more honorable than the ones you've just played, that they mm. didn't have to do that sort of thing. But um, uh, if, in fact, they keep behaving this way, uh, uh, the chief justice is going to have a tough uh, decision to make on whether he admonishes some of these senators. Mm. Mm. Uh, as we wait to see if that potentially does happen come January, John Dean, to you, sir. You know, you 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 throw out this idea. You you say that the House shouldn't even send the these articles to the Senate; that they should continue to investigate because, to quote you, the Senate is rigged. Can you explain that? <laughs> we just heard it explained uh, by the uh, majority leader and and. Uh, the chairman of the House or Senate Judiciary Committee. The, the, as the professor mentioned, there is an oath these men have to take, and women in the Senate, and it's to be impartial and do justice. Uh, that isn't a high standard. That is to not prejudge until you hear the evidence. This is exactly the opposite of what uh, is happening here. They're prejudging, and they're going to say this president is not going to be impeached or he's not going to be re found guilty and removed. So I think there's a lot of leverage in the House uh, with the Speaker. Uh, what happens is after they vote on the articles of impeachment, then, then they, there are more articles that they or resolutions they vote on to send managers over to the Senate. Well, at that point, in digging through the rules, I can find nothing that would prohibit uh, or, or stop Nancy Pelosi from saying, I'm not sending these articles of impeachment over to a kangaroo. Because you, you put down, um, I think, some really important world events. And I think the point was made by witnesses like Ambassador Taylor, who, who left Ukraine to come and testify in the House Intelligence Committee's investigation, who said, Ukrainians died this week at the hands of Russians. This is about American national security. This is about America trying or supposed to um, stand with the good guys. In this case, that's Ukraine. I know that's in dispute at Fox, but it's U.S. stated in written foreign policy that on in the uh, battle between Russia and Ukraine, we, we are aligned with Ukraine. And over and over and over again, there are no new stories in, in the Trump presidency. Over and over and over again, Trump weakens Russia's adversaries who happen to be our allies. Just talk about what that looks like now three years in. It, it just feels awful. You know, I covered eight years of Ronald Reagan, the Cold War, the first summits with Gorbachev, the end of the Cold War. Uh, these were huge stakes and they were bipartisan policies that traversed uh, Democrats and Republican presidencies. And to see now people like Lindsey Graham and others just completely folding and caving in on the issue of Russia, when there was bipartisan support for Ukraine and bipartisan opposition to... Never has history felt less consequential. The, imp uh, the impending impeachment of President Donald Trump is, as news accounts and blaring newspaper headlines tell us, historic. This is, a true by, this is true by definition, since the president has been impeached only twice before in 230 years. Ultimately, impeachment is going to get swallowed up by the news cycle like everything else. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, 21 years ago when they impeached uh, President Bill Clinton, it felt like that was the biggest story in the history of the world. Everything had stopped spinning on its axis for a while. This just feels like another chapter in the Trump story. We've been sort of at DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5, whichever it is. Since Election Day. Since Election Day. Or Access Hollywood Day. Three years of intensity, nonstop, hurricane, gale, you know, force. Uh, conflict in Washington, and this just feels like yet another chapter in that rather than something unique. So I think that's where our role as the media is important to point out where we are, take a pause, this moment in history. This president is about to become the first president in the history of this nation who will be impeached for violating one of the founders' most primal fears, which is inviting foreign involvement into our elections. We all saw it. We saw it on the South Lawn. We saw it in the call summary. So the only question now uh, really is how the public is going to respond. The outcome is preordained in the Senate. He will be acquitted. They may have a trial, short trial, long trial. He'll be acquitted. And then the question is, a year from now, how are voters going to respond to that? There's only one certainty, and that is we're going to have more information coming out. Right. We've got all of these court cases winding their way through on his tax returns, on all of the documents from State Department and OMB that are being withheld. We've not heard from any of the people who are in his immediate inner circle. That could all change in a year. And the question is going to be who's going to be more angry, Trump's base, right. who believes that he was exonerated, or the Democratic base, who believes that he walked. I don't think we know yet because it's also not going to be the only factor yeah. that goes into the election. You've what worries me the most, actually, is that I think that since since about a week ago, uh, when we saw the legal uh, experts testifying in, in, in Congress, I think we've been in new territory, which is the sense that reasonable people can disagree about whether he's uh, uh, he should be impeached. Right. I think this was this was Turley's testimony in in, <clears throat> in the Judiciary Committee, but I found it absolutely terrifying. And when we say conspiracy theories. The idea that anything could be true. Mark, I think it's important to note that the Ukraine theories I was describing, they're not just conspiracy theories. They've been backed up by a Russian disinformation campaign. Well, you know, Try to confuse people about what actually happened in 2016. Brian, listen, I object to the idea that we even call them theories. Relativity <laughs> is a theory. A theory is a hypothesis that can be reasonably proven over time. Hmm. This is a disinformation campaign. It's deliberate deception. It's fabrication. And I think one of the failings of our contemporary media, and it's a difficult challenge, is that we're not calling that out enough. Just calling it a conspiracy theory lends it a certain cred credibility. And I think mm. what Masha has talked about so provocatively and so well, these irreconcilable realities that mm -hmm. the country now lives. You know, we talk about polarization. It's deeper than polarization. Mm -hmm. There are two competing worldview realities. And they are, we do a disservice when we serve those up. I have to tell you, on, on this very what network... What do you mean we serve them up? What do you well, mean? on this very network, not very long ago, uh, former Senator Rick Santorum, a paid analyst of this network, mm -hmm. uh, sat on camera and told the CNN audience that when the president uttered the words, I would like you to do us a favor, though, he wasn't asking for a favor. He said that repeatedly, literally those words. Well, that's gaslighting. That's trying to sow deep, deep, deep confusion in the American public about what is actually going on. Trump is the victim. All right. That was what was promised from this IG's report. 476 pages. No Trump as victim. Trump even says that that's what this says. It doesn't. He's lying to you about the report. Please do yourself the favor. Do the homework. He's lying to you. You can discover it if you want. 
Just like there was no proof of him being a victim in the 568-page report that the IG put out in June of last year, even though they told you it would. It wasn't there in the 412 pages of the declassified Carter Page FISA application. There were mistakes, but he was no victim. The 83 pages that examined James Comey's behavior. The 39-page report that examined Andrew McCabe. This president and his attorney general are distorting fact and playing suspicion. But the truth is just not that complicated. People around this president have been up to no good from the start. The institutions that are designed to catch that worked. The only question is what should be the consequence. Now, the smears never stop. The president is still peddling lies tonight now about the FBI. Just a little. They spied on our campaign, okay? The lives have been destroyed by scum, okay? By scum. Calls the FBI scum. I never imagined a president, and he just keeps disappointing. There is no proof of spying. Zero. And we'll take you through it with an FBI vet who's owed an apology by our... I'm Samantha B. First, the good news. The House announced articles of impeachment this week. Today, in service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, the House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. I just got chills. Congressional Republicans have decided that the best defense is a loud offense. It is not difficult to defend this president, but it is very difficult to defend this Congress on what they have done, and history will not be kind to them. Oh, your mouth is saying it's easy to defend the president, but I bet your sphincter is telling a different story. I have a name for this strategy. It's called Kevin noise. That's when white men who've done something awful shout into a camera at us until it goes away. The really disturbing thing about this strategy is that it kind of works. After they turn hearings into 14-hour tantrums, they get headlines like impeachment devolves into partisan brawl, partisan fireworks. Now, the president wasn't the only politician Republicans were defending this week. He wasn't even the only politician they were defending specifically for shady phone calls. There's also House Intel ranking minority member and national sweat depository, Devin Nunes. Republicans are going all in on defending this newborn baby fawn, claiming that Democrats were out of line to reveal his name. Was it you or was it Chairman Schiff that said, while we're doing this, let's see if this matches Chairman Nunez's number? Somebody took the four records that you asked for, or at least four, took those numbers and then said, hey, let's play a match game. Who ordered the match game? Welcome back to the congressional match game. <laughs> Question. Dumb Devin is so dumb, he just tripped on his own blank. Boner. Boner. Impeachment is a slog. The average American could easily come away from the impeachment proceedings with the impression that it's all just a big, loud, politically tainted cluster And that is terrifying, since what it actually is, is a big, loud, politically tainted cluster So I am begging you, pay attention. Watch the hearings. Read. You know, it's like 30 degrees in this basement. You know, it's starting to warm up. And if you've never smoked a stogie in the cold... 
It's extra special. It's just extra special. I just want to say that. So there's our media loser of mine. I, I love going back to the Washington Post Twitter page. And because this week we have the Senate hearing, which was, of course, run by Republicans. And as we'll see, the media was not impressed, and they wanted nothing to do with it. Two weeks ago, reported, and we did it on the show, Washington Post main Twitter page, an impeachment hearing day in-house. 70 of their 183 tweets and retweets were focused on impeachment. So as the Senate held a hearing with Justice Department and Inspector General yesterday, we thought, hmm, let's go back to the Post Twitter page and see how this hearing compares to the House hearing on November 21st. Guess what? It wasn't a big deal. In the 24 hours of December 11th, it drew only nine tweets out of 142 tweets. Six percent. The November 21st, the Post account promoted 10 videos. There were no videos from the IG hearing because it's not good for the Democrats. After 3 p.m., all the tweets were opinion pieces channeling the biases of liberals and anti-Trump hardliners. 3.13 p.m., Eric Wimple, Horowitz reports, breaks Sean Hannity's, Hannity's mantra. 5 p.m., the first post-hearing take came from ex-neocotton Max Boot. How do the victims of Trump lies get their reputation back? Anybody who's printing Max Boot should be hit with a boot. 537, they touted post-political writer Aaron Blank. Analysis, Michael Horowitz just shot down a bunch of Trump conspiracy theories. But it wasn't just the Washington Post. CNN carried only 33% of the Horowitz hearing, but it had 99% of the impeachment hearing live. Yeah. In contrast, MSNBC stepped up to the plate and carried 89%. FNC was 88.7. For CNN, perhaps it stems from the fact that it didn't feature their favorite Democrat, Adam Schiff. Using C-SPAN gavel-to-gavel coverage, the hearing lasted roughly 320 minutes and 37 seconds, but the Jeffrey, Jeffrey Zucker-led CNN dipped in for only 106 minutes. It just doesn't float their boat. It just doesn't. But some positives came out of this. So here is two positive sound bites. One's a conglomerate and the one behind it, and then we'll talk about it. So let me ask you this. What percentage in the questions you've heard so many South Carolinians, Granite Staters, and Iowans Thank you. ask about impeachment? It comes up very little. In uh, Iowa. In Iowa, at least. Uh, in New Hampshire? I've heard a grand total of two questions, and I've probably heard hundreds upon hundreds of questions. Look, right? In, in the South past Carolina? three months, I can think of one town hall where impeachment has come up. Ladies and gentlemen, just soak that in. And for those of you who say, yeah, Washington, you guys are just so obsessed with your storylines, and you don't hear or recognize or listen to, well, I, those are three voices who are just telling you what they see day to day. They've been in each of their states for six months. Fair to say, almost never or hardly at all, impeachment comes up. Hardly at all. Yeah. There you go. It's yeah. always me asking. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about both sides and we're going to sort of make that comparison, I think we also have to um, compare the, the, the Senate vote before. You had so many so many senators that voted to not only impeach but also convict President Clinton for, yes, perjuring himself. Yes. Those same, many of those same people are still in the Senate. I cannot believe that they would vote to impeach and convict 
a, a president, a sitting president, for perjuring himself, and they would not vote to convict a president and remove, who cle- and remove a president who clearly used a foreign, wanted to use a foreign government for his own personal benefit to impede our very democracy. Right. That is the height of hypocrisy for this Republican-led right. Senate. But, but I, my job I don't here, understand that. My job here is not to litigate the ethics of it. I'm an ABC political analyst along with being a VIEW co-host. My job is to analyze the politics of it. And I'm telling you but the I'm politics of But I'm not talking about this, you. I'm talking about I'm the people you my that job are, are here. senators let me that are in the Senate. Here's what's happening now. We're going to keep... Girl, please stop talking. Please stop talking right now. Because you know what? What's happening? Thank you. No problem. Thank you. I won't talk the rest of the show. No okay, that's, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If you're going to behave like this, I'm not behaving like you anything. are. You are just talking over. Perspective. Yes, we understand no, I'm not that. Talk but you she... are. But what you're doing? No, I'm not. Is do... your fr- I... We're not doing it. A little bit of it is how they deal with it. Also, that's really what I'm scrutinizing. It's up to them to make the decision, and then we can all analyze it and go through it afterwards. That takes me to your area of expertise uh, with the AG. You know, you vouched for him when he wanted this job, Attorney General Barr, and said this guy will not be pushed around by a White House. Help me understand how he may not be being pushed around, but he seems in lockstep with protecting this president's interests, even if it means going bad on his own inspector general. First of all, he's not going bad on his own inspector general. Secondly, it's not, I mean, the inspector general is the inspector general. It's not his, it's not anybody's in particular. He's not obligated to walk in lockstep with the attorney general, with, with, with the inspector general. True, and, and a lot of people don't like their inspector generals. Because they're you're, you're looking at one they're one. digging in your own backyard, right? But to basically say he got and they're also it wrong. they're also reporting to con- well he got part of it wrong is what he said, and understand that the inspector general has a limited yes authority and limited tools at his at that are available to him. He's limited to investigating the Department of Justice and the FBI, yeah. which is part of it. He's not he can't investigate the CIA. He can't investigate the, the Department of State. I uh, can't investigate the NSA, all of which, by the way, I think will be shown to be involved. You were looking in at what the FBI did and how they did it. He comes back, he says, no political animus. You have uh, an attorney general who accused his own agency of spying. We've never heard of that before. Look, what he, he characterized surveillance as spying. Um, that's, that's not an incorrect term. But you, well, but you um, know they number, don't like the term. They take it as something that is done in a nefarious fashion, and they find so, that objectionable considering what they do to a citizen. If you, yeah, if you take a look at what was done to Carter Page, who was never charged with any crime. I'm going to walk you through my logic, and I know it's clear that we don't all agree, but I'm going to walk you through my logic um, in an attempt to be transparent. And I know, I knew from the very beginning that this was going to be a controversial decision, right? That was something I understood from the very beginning. But for me, it was something that was important to do. So, in September, I'm just going to keep on rolling, folks. It's a problem for the media. It really is. It is. It's no different than Mueller report again. I mean, we basically, people in the world, outside the bubble, because that's the real world, you know, as we'll go into our gay shit today, wow, man, one tweet, it showed most of America is me, with like four or five hundred retweets and likes, but there's, 
These people believe their brain is the right brain. And if you don't think that way, you're automatically a bigot. Bigot. I was a bigot, a Christian killing piece of shit. And even though I didn't talk about religion. But the bubble dwellers just don't understand outside of Washington, New York, Seattle, Portland, all the, you know, all down the coast of California. Nobody gives a fuck about the impeachment because they've heard shit. John Solomon, breaking, Lafia says it flags suspicious payments to Hunter Biden in 2016, asked Ukraine to investigate. Another one, as the U.S. presidential race began roaring in live 2016, authorities in the former Soviet Republic of Laftia flagged a series of suspicious financial transactions to Hunter Biden and other colleagues at a Ukrainian natural gas company. Because he was digging around. Budget Office releases new legal memo indicating delay in Ukraine aid was routine. But that didn't make the impeachment proceedings because, you know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make it there. Um, because, let's be honest, they just want to boot him. On Tuesday, Adam Schiff made a slip-up seemingly revealing and real reason Democrats are ramming clearly partisan impeachment proceedings down the nation's throat. Trump, according to Democrats like Schiff, is an illegitimate president that was not supposed to win in 2016. Schiff, a Democrat from California, strongly suggested in a press conference that Trump colluded with Russia to undermine the 2016 election. The argument, why don't you just wait, amounts to this. Why don't you let him cheat in one more election, Schiff said. Not Why not let him have foreign help one more time? Schiff's latest admission comes in concert with fellow Democrats at various times since Trump election, stating that their mission is to remove him from office. Here's a nice list from the Daily Wire, MRC has it. Uh, AOC, this is about preventing a potentially disastrous outcome from occurring next year. Dana Titus, I'd like to impeach the bastard right now. Adam Schiff, that's charlatan in the White House. Nancy Pelosi, an imposter. We cannot accept second term for Donald Trump. Maxine Waters, he really should be punished. And I'm not running for anything except the impeachment of Trump. Tlaib, impeach the motherfucker. Alex Green, if we don't impeach the president, he will get reelected. They're still pissed they couldn't get him on Russia because it's not true. None of it was true. Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the GOP. Of course, they don't get credit for having a chairwoman, but, you know, she's a conservative. She's not a woman. Nancy Pelosi claimed impeachment is not about politics. Then why has she been conducting focus groups on it? It's all politics, and her own caucus has admitted it. This comes to stark contracts with Speaker Pelosi's claiming impeachment as a somber and prayerful process Democrats would not engage in. The American people seemingly view the Democrats' handling of impeachment proceedings as partisan, too, since post-impeachment inquiry polls show good news for Trump. As reported this week by the Daily Wire, she linked to this, a new Mammoth poll showed Trump has a seven-point swing in favor conserving the 2020 election post-impeachment inquiry. His poll numbers are going up. And the worst part, it's going up in swing states. Remember, they, folks, wanted to impeach him over saying shitty countries, shit old countries. This is the fucking, what, fourth articles of impeachment. Media ignored the first three because they didn't want to build the case that, oh, maybe they are just out to get him because the Washington Post was out to get them and we showed their fucking article on November 9th. And the impeachment inquiry begins. They're still butthurt that their Russia, Russia, Russia mantra 
which was all lie, didn't get them. They thought for sure the American people would buy that shit. I mean, how could you not? And I don't want to play because we got a year in with the media saying 200 times, smoke a gun, impeachment, 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 impeachment. Remember, the media pushed the Dems to impeach. The media kept talking about impeachment over and over and over for the last two and a half fucking years. So the Democrats didn't really have a choice. Their base wanted impeachment. So for them to get reelected, they got to impeach them. Knowing that it's not going to get through the Senate. Knowing this is the same thing that happened to Clinton. And knowing that independent and swing voters are going to go, this was fucking stupid. You did Russia. Didn't work. Then you do Ukraine. And wow, there's a lot of news getting out that, whoa, this this isn't good. Need more proof? Chris Geidner. A Democrat. Honestly, I'd be fine with impeaching him for the Greta tweet at this point. He's a stain on this nation and will forever be so. We must as people make clear that he is unacceptable and do that all that we can to, to remove him from office, whether by impeachment or in 2020. Our This Is America today, Chris Cuomo decided to channel some Nancy Pelosi. He literally says you're not a real Christian if you don't want to punish Trump. They're really desperate. Then you got this guy during the hearing saying basically Trump took the Ukrainian dude's daughter hostage or something. He looked weak. Well, I tell you, that brings to mind the picture of President Trump and President Zelensky meeting in New York in September uh, at the U.N., and a big chair for President Trump, little chair for President Zelensky, big six-foot-four President Trump, five-foot-eleven Mr. Zelensky, President Zelensky, and they're standing there, and President Trump is holding court, and he says, oh, by the way, no, no, uh, no, no pressure. And you saw President Zelensky shaking his head as if his daughter was downstairs in the basement, duct tape. <laughs> I mean, there's a imbalance of power in that relationship. It always has been. And uh, there's no way that the nation of Ukraine can stand up to the power, to the power of the United States of America. And President Trump used that unequal bargaining position. He leveraged. How can this any of this be serious when you started it off literally with Schiff making up stories and you have Democrats saying that? I mean, if this is such a solemn event, the framers put this in here because it's so important that we the people have checks and balances, and this isn't partisan, and the media parrots for them, but the American people look at it and go, yeah, yeah, this shit's pretty partisan, man. You've been talking about impeachment since day one. You're just trying to find something, and because Russia, Russia, Russia didn't work, you're throwing this in, and then you said quid pro quo, and then you said the American people are stupid, they don't understand Latin, so we're going to say bribery. And then you pull out two articles of impeachment and don't use bribery, say abuse of power and obstruction of Congress because you have no obstruction 
of justice. And if that's the case, then Eric Holder should have been impeached. He literally obstruct Congress. Unlike Trump. He literally obstructed and didn't report. He was held in, a, in contempt. And the media said, well, that's, that's just bullshit. Republicans are just playing games. This is just a kangaroo court. A kangaroo court. So there's a Democrat literally cop watching golf during it. But remember, this is serious. It's a solemn affair. It's a prayerful... She's literally... Nancy Pelosi, as we'll see in, in, in fucking uh, news social media nuggets, literally was shit all over her streets and, and gives fucking Medicaid transgender surgery on the on the, on the city, ta- on the taxpayer's dole, is talking about religion all the time, thinking that she can somehow get people in the middle of the country to go, yeah... Yeah, they're religious. They wouldn't do this. Um, nobody thinks you're religious, Nancy. Nancy, Maybe Andrea Mitchell does because she's a fucking feminazi, but nobody believes you're a Catholic because real Catholics don't believe in live birth abortions, and you do. Then Democrat Congresswoman said, fuck it, hold my beer. I'm just going to be honest. Karen Bass said during an interview this week that if Donald Trump wins re-election in 2020, that the Democrats will move to impeach him again and warn that Trump's bank records could show he owned 100, 100% by the Russians. Bass made the remarks during a Tuesday interview on TMZ Live. Who goes on TMZ Live? Shortly after the House Democrats announced an article of impeachment. The American people re-elect him. What does that say to you about the American people, TMZ asked, because they want to be cool kids. Well, you know, I guess I'm ultimately an opolis, and I believe the 2020 election, assuming we can stop them from trying to cheat, is in our hands. So I think it's out of responsibility to turn people out. And I feel very positive that because ever since he's been elected, we've won thousands of races across the country. If we didn't impeach him, that creates a tremendous amount of rage amongst people like in our city, for example, Los Angeles. But it's really not about the election. It's really about the fact that he has committed a crime, he's abused power, and he's consistently obstructed Congress from anything. He doesn't even want people who don't work for him anymore to speak to Congress. Bass acknowledged that there's no such thing as double jeopardy in an impeachment trial because political went on to admit that Democrats would just impeach him again. Suppose he gets reelected, but you're right, and you win back the Senate in a big way. If you did that, would you be inclined to take a second bite of the apple and reintroduce the exact same impeachment articles, then send it through a second time? Maybe you have the Democratic Senate on your side? So, you know, yeah, but I don't know if it would be exactly the same. Here's why. Because even though we are impeaching him now, there are still a number of court cases. There's a ton of cases that come forward. For example, we could get his bank records and find out he's owned by Russia. So you're absolutely right in your scenario, but the only thing I would say slightly different is that it might not be the same articles of impeachment because the odds are we have a ton more information because he's just a criminal. Bass appeared to be incorrect about a claim Democrats have won thousands of seats. Former White House Press Secretary and current Fox News contributor Eric Fleischman tweeted last month, the Republicans have actually lost fewer seats under Trump than Democrats lost under Obama. To put the political consequence of the Trump presidency in perspective, since Trump was elected, ours have lost 329 seats in state. At the same point in Obama's presidency, he had lost 768. The MSM is exaggerating election 2019. A little perspective is needed. And they did. They had to say a landslide. It was a blue wave. Twitter came out and helped them. Got a blue wave. 
How do I know? Every time I put blue in, there was a wave emoticon would pop up. Like, oh, do this. Be a cool person. Be a Democrat. We're Twitter. We're objective. Mike Johnson spotted while we were on the House floor voting, CNN live feed caught press photographing documents on Judiciary Desk. Congressman Matt Guest just called out Reuters photograph photographer for taking pictures of members' notes during the break. People's reply, uh, more proof that the media is the enemy of the people. No fear or accountability, no respect. Politico. Do you think I jest? Do you think I jest? They, they, they have no fear. They're all in. The journalistic juices are now flowing. With the editorial pages of the Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, Boston Globe, Orlando Sentinel, Philadelphia Inquirer, and USA Today, all calling for impeachment of President Trump. David Roberts from Vox. One question I've heard from Democrats and other folks on the left over the last year. Why aren't people out in the street marching in enormous numbers? Why did the mass resistance seem to wane so quickly? Why does the country seem to be letting democracy die so passively? You know why? Because for the last year, they've heard this. I'm going to play back to back to back. Impeachment 200 times. Bombshell 200 times. And the dossier is true. And if you believe it isn't, you're just a racist piece of shit. If this BuzzFeed News report is true, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment proceedings. If it were to be true, it means the president told someone to lie under oath, which very simply is a crime and is impeachable. If this story is true, we must begin impeachment proceedings. If you can prove that the president ordered it, that to certainly rise to the level of uh, rises to the level of impeachable offense. We're going to know if the president of the United States committed a federal felony, and at that point, we are in high crimes and misdemeanor, and we are in impeachment We're, territory. Right. Is that an impeachable offense? Uh, this is suborning perjury. I think there's no question it's an impeachable offense. That is considered an impeachable offense. Absolutely, these are impeachable offenses. Inside that answer, I did hear the I word impeachable. Impeachment is a very fine alternative way to deal with this. Democrats will move maybe faster, maybe more aggressively toward impeachment. There are an awful lot of similarities between a couple of the articles of impeachment against Nixon and the elements of this story. The very same offense for which the House of Representatives moved to impeach Richard Nixon. In the past, been impeachable. That is the exact way that Oh, Nixon was kicked I know, out of office. It's one of the things that drove Richard Nixon out of office. CNN has not corroborated this reporting. CNN, we should be clear, has not independently confirmed this. CNN has not independently confirmed this reporting. It is important for us to note this morning that neither CNN nor any other major news outlet has so far confirmed BuzzFeed's report. Breaking news. A bombshell. Today, turning point. Today was historically bad for President. Today was a, a turning point. A turning point. Point here. The beginning of the end of Trump presidency. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence have to assume the office of the presidency. Rumbling impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. The beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls in on him. Breaking news. A new bombshell. Sure. Says this means the beginning of the end for President Trump. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. It's tipping point. I know we've said it over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. 
tipping point. And over and over. Breaking then Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The of the end. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This beginning not the end. The beginning of the end. The closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic, I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping December 1st, 2017, you can mark. This is the day that everything changed. The beginning of the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The end of the beginning of the end. We begin tonight with the bomb. Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping. Trump's going down. This president could. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president at his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. Not serve out his term. No way. No how. News an absolute bomb. Donald Trump is not. And it's over. It's over. Closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the hill. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to. Week will be the watershed week. Trump is in. Big. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man. Walls. Closing in. The walls are increasingly on him. Tonight the walls are closing in. Today everything. This is the beginning of the end. It's tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day in shells. He's underwater. He feels those closing in. Turning point. We may be at a tipping point. It's the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is Parts of the now infamous dossier on Trump have proven to be true. I know the history of dollars. the dossier, but it hasn't been discredited. In fact, it's been the opposite. It's been corroborated. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. This discredited dossier, it which hasn't was been paid discredited. for, paid. Your intel community has corroborated all of the details in the, the all, meeting. Some of the substantive cont content of the dossier. We were able to corroborate in our intelligence community assessment, which from other sources, in which we had very high confidence. So we know that with the FISA application, the relevant parts of Christopher Steele's dossier were corroborated. If the application included information from the dossier, it would only be after the FBI had, in fact, corroborated information through its own investigation. We also know that as time goes on, more and more parts of the Steele dossier get corroborated. So when the president just refers to it as fake dossier, that is false? Uh, I I don't think that's that is the accurate characterization for the entirety of the dossier. Your investigators have corroborated part of the uh, dossier. The dossier has been corroborated by the intelligence community. U.S. investigators have corroborated some of the allegations in that dossier. We do know that parts of it have been corroborated. It's not been corroborated, but it hasn't been disproven either. Is there anything in the dossier that has been disproven? No. But not one thing has been disproven. No major thing from the dossier has been conclusively disproven. To date, none of it has been disproven. And whole big parts of it are holding up. The dossier um, holds up well. None of it has been disproven. All of the allegations in it, I don't know that anything has been disproven. It's a fact that none of it, not one word, has been disproven. In fact, a lot of it turned out to be right on the money. Former high-ranking intelligence officials have told us on the record that there is nothing in the Steele dossier that they know to have been disproven. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Do you not accept... I don't agree with that, Alice. This is our reporting, and this is what um, this is what crime-fighting agencies have said that the FBI would not have just taken a dossier to the FISA court and used that as their predicate for the surveillance. They had to corroborate it themselves. That's how they operate. Now I know that's twelve minutes. It's very long. It's been three years. Three years, you have been told on your TV, smoking gun, bombshell, the media pushing for impeachment, the dossier is real, it's all real, it's all real, and then 
Their own investigations prove it's not real, that it was never should have been used. The IG report says it was sketchy as fuck. They even got a FISA warrant to win, to spy on an opposing campaign. You tried media. You tried really hard. It didn't work. It just didn't work because you were just too over the top. You cried wolf so much for three years. Nobody's in the street because they just think it's all bullshit. I mean, if the framers really believed that somebody would get impeached over a telegram, they never would have wrote it into the Constitution. That's the equivalency or a letter. Back in that time period, I guess it would be a letter. They didn't have telegraphs. But a letter. Nobody would believe that. That a person overheard a story, and then they embellished the story, and they made it something wrong because the president said to investigate the thing Democrats wanted investigated, which is the 2016 election. And then alternative media, who isn't all in the Democratic pockets, start doling out that there's a lot of crooked shit going on. And then we have actual tweets. The New York Times was in Ukraine with Democratic National Committee members digging dirt on Trump with a foreign power. Politico reports that. During that time, they did not say, the journalistic juices are flowing. It was online and it was dumped. Because we don't want to hurt the Dems. They are so clueless. I I have some examples. Brian Seltzer. Our daily reminder that Fox and Friends is serious responsibility. And yet this morning, Fox told the press that the dossier was made up. It was. Our daily reminder that Steltzer is obsessed and jealous of everything Fox News. It's embarrassing. It was made up. It's not only unverified, but unverifiable. It was partially written by a ham radio officiani, Nelly Orr. Another tweet by him. Instead of correcting his misspelling of outrageous, he doubles down by quote-tweeting himself. That is, mother... Fucking Trump. He just sits all day. This is news over there. And looks when he can't say something negative about the president's tweet, which he always can because it's actually an opposing view. And you can't have that on CNN. You know, you must be a liberal. He looks for typos. Because remember, we had two scoops of ice cream stories. That was news from the Washington Post. Next one. Justice Neil Gorsuch is on Fox and Friends right now. The question, how is it appropriate for Supreme Court Justice to try to goose sales of his three-month-old book by chatting on one of the most partisan shows on TV? And as we go to a music break, it's pretty easy. Sotomayor was on fucking the Colbert Report, and she was also on the Today Show. So we'll listen to that. Do a Christmas music break and come back to more stupidity. The confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh are beginning today, and if confirmed, he will serve alongside our next guest, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. She has written two new books for children, The Beloved World of Sonia Sotomayor and Turning Pages, 
They're both about her life and the challenges she's had to overcome in meeting such success. Justice Sotomayor, Madam Justice, good morning. It's good to be with you. Good morning, you. Savannah. It's so nice to see you again. It's nice to see you. And I was thinking about your life. Of course, you worked so hard. You went to the best institutions, legal scholar, former prosecutor, former federal judge, Supreme Court justice. Did you ever think you'd be writing a book with pictures? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> but once I decided to do the middle school book, which one of my cousins who you might have met in my parent book, My Beloved World, Miriam, she talked me into writing a middle school book for kids. At that point, I figured, you know something? I want young readers, too, to know a little bit about my life. And that's where Turning Pages came in. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Chestnuts Reed. roasting on an open fire. 
Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols. So while the media is doing all their crazy shit, here's some more stuff that just snuck out and nobody cares. The Clinton Foundation, this was Sandy Schneider, the Clinton Foundation has confirmed and accepted one million gift from Qatar or Qatar while Hillary Clinton was U.S. Secretary of State without informing the State Department. Story goes like this. Clinton Foundation has confirmed and accepted a $1 million gift from Qatar when Hillary Clinton was U.S. Secretary of State without informing the State Department, even though she had promised to let the agency review new or significantly increased support from foreign governments. Qatari officials pledged the money in 2011 to mark the 65th birthday of Bill Clinton, Hillary's husband. Well, I don't know why they put that in there. Everybody knows. And sought to meet the former U.S. president in person the following year to present him the check. According to an email from the foundation official to Hillary Clinton presidential campaign chairman John Podesta. The email among thousands hacked from Podesta's account was published last month by WikiLeaks. Clinton signed an ethics agreement governed by her family global straddling foundation in order to become Secretary of State in 2009. The agreement was designed to increase transparency to avoid appearance that a U.S. foreign policy could be swayed with money who among us has forgotten to report a million dollar donation from the world's number one funder of international sunni jihad where are our media firefighters if that was one of trump's kids we would have known that before the election when we have not they knew that happened they know what's happening. They follow her shit. Hell, they donated to it. Then you got this one. Griswold Christmas Vacation. Hashtag Griswold. I like it. Hey, remember a week ago we made fun of the fact that half Republicans think Trump was better than Lincoln? Mammoth finds 63% of Dems think Obama was a better president than George fucking Washington. Then, by the end of the week, WAPO admits Republican famous memo on FISA abuse blasted by Dems ended up getting it right. They had to admit that the FISA abuse was wrong. And then this nugget. Today's impeachment cheerleaders hated it back in 98. When this was happening to Clinton, these are some of the statements. A mark against Congress. When the House voted on December 19, 1998, to approve two articles of impeachment against Clinton, outraged journalists cast it not as a stain on the president's conduct, but on Congress, which voted to hold him accountable. Historians may not look kindly on what transpired behind me here today, Nightly News' Brian Williams said. Hours earlier, during our network live coverage of the vote, NBC Maria Shriver scolded that the vote was a mark against this Congress, and this Congress will forever known as a Congress that impeached the President of the United States. Well, that sounds a lot different from, hey, uh, he's forever going to be known as a guy that was impeached. Three days later, CNBC host and Clinton fanboy Geraldo Rivera popped on NBC Today's show with NBC News under his name as his identifier and blasted away at the vote. It was a spiteful action. It was a legislative coup d'etat. Well, doesn't that sound familiar now? Next one, defying the public. Democratic campaign against President Trump has failed to 
budge public opinion since impeachment hearing began November 13th, with some polls actually showing a modest boomerang in Trump's favor. But 20 years ago, the public's lack of support for Clinton's impeachment was used by the media as a club against Republicans. Uh, according to polls, the public is really coming away saying, we are sick of it. Get over it. Lisa McGree. Good morning, America. On the December 10th nightly news, Jim Avila warned that Republicans face potential backlash. The next night on World News, Dean Reynolds of ABC hit the same point. There seems to be more impatience with the babbling pundits and squabbling congressmen than outrage over the president's action. On December 13th of ABC's This Week, Cokie Roberts condemned the impeachers. But you can equally say the Republican Party has not listened to the will of the people on something that is so central to where the voters are. Hmm, interesting. Then they went on to say Republicans are disgracing themselves. It was driven by hate, yearning for an escape hatch, fight, Bill, fight. It just goes on and on and on. It is the forever bias that we have in our media. It's subtle sometimes, and it's like a hammer on this impeachment. Our subtle, judging time by its covers, cartoon, Scary Trump versus inspiring Dems. Liberals in the media will often say the bias in the eye of the beholder, but week after week, the cover of Time magazine portrays Donald Trump as an apocalyptic, nightmarish figure. Democrats, in contrast, are routinely features as smiley, happy, reassuring figures. And while less and less Americans actually buy the weekly publication, the magazine still impacts the public debate as it features in media outlets and seen in the grocery store. It's no surprise that Time chose teenage environmentalist Greta Thunberg as 2019 person of the year, but this issue is no aberration. Media Research Center analysts looked at every Time cover since Trump took office in 2017. The magazine has portrayed the president as a dictatorial monarch, something I should probably be able to say easily, someone screaming with his hair on fire and man literally drowning in the Oval Office. In comparison, time covers of Democrats have featured smiling, optimistic Bernie Sanders, a forward-thinking Elizabeth Warren, and a flattering picture of AOC with the headline, The Phenom. Take a look at the video montage of the covers and see the bias in action. And I won't. Here are just some of them. Nancy Pelosi, the persistence of Nancy Pelosi, just singing in the rain, Trump walking around in the rain with an impeachment thing. Nothing to see here. That cover with his hair blowing. It's a real picture of him. They just altered it. Stormy, in deep with him swimming in his office. Uh, A picture of King Me. Him looking down at the little girl. AOC, so heroic. Um, first family, Pete Buttleg and his gay husband. I have a plan for that. Elizabeth Warren squinting her eyes as I'm going to get it done. Nancy, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders looking up like he's fucking Stalin. The test case. Joe Biden smiling. Mueller's most wanted was one cover for the impeachment. Is truth dead is another. Quid pro doe is another. My whole life's a bet is the final. It's that subtle bias. It's always there. It's so bad that non-conservative street artist Sabo, Sabo, I never say his name right on the show, trolls impeachment hoaxes Adam Schiff 
is cancer. He went over to the one of those American Cancer Society billboards, covered up cancer victims, and put impeachment hoax this year, 415,949 and counting, Adam Schiff is cancer. I, I mean, really, just for a second, think about it. Could Republicans do this? Could they have done it during Obama's reign? Could you just constantly be talking about impeachment, constantly investigating? Could you? I mean, they did Benghazi, where people actually died. It's a faux scandal. The IRS, where people literally got persecuted because they were conservative. A faux scandal. Everybody pled the fifth. Nobody got punished for it. Take any one of the many things that came out during Obama... And they say he's scandal-free. Because nothing could get public support. The only reason why it's 50-50 on this impeachment is what I played. 12 minutes of, oh, don't listen to anybody but us. I mean, that's how the email scandal started for Hillary. Chris Cuomo, it's illegal for you to read these. Only we can read them. Do you remember me playing that on the show? For those that have been here a long time, knowing that's a total lie, but that's they didn't want you reading it. They didn't want you thinking for yourself. Chuck Todd, Cuomo, all of them, they want to think for you, tell you how to vote, how to feel, who to pray to, who to have sex with, how to have sex, what to eat. They want to run your lives. And when you don't do it, you're deplorable. You're a million is and a trillion obes. Then we have this. The media just spiked it. Representative Jeff Van Drew, anti-impeachment Democrat, expected to switch parties after Trump meeting. Democrats attacked traitor rat Jeff Van Drew for leaving party. And then another one, Colin Peterson, is one of just two House Democrats who voted against opening the impeachment inquiry. And he says... More people are not going to vote than are saying. Has not committed a crime and said his biggest problem with the impeachment proceeding is that his caucus predetermined that they were committed to impeach Trump. And now they've spent a year trying to figure out how they can make the case. That's backwards. I just don't agree with this. This is dividing country for no good reason because he's not going to be thrown out of office. Why are we doing this? And then this broke on Politico. Amid rising opposition to impeachment, new Democrat strategy emerges withhold impeachment articles. They just took the break to go home and test this shit. And as you heard in one of those sound bites, even Democrats are going back to their districts and people are going, what the fuck is this? The framers never envisioned impeaching somebody over a fucking phone call that nobody should have been listening to. But if that's not another sign of the deep state, I mean, they literally are working now to find anything they can to get Trump because they just don't like him because he wants to change things. That's my only assumption. Yes, he's embarrassing. 
Yes, his Twitter account should be shut the fuck off. But you just can't impeach the president because you're upset you lost. And that's exactly what Democrats are doing. So, that's our political section. We're going to go straight in, without a bumper, to military quarter. And it was Army-Navy game. I'm not going to talk about the game. It didn't go well for my my team. Army got clubbed like a baby seal. But I love me some spirit videos. From the very beginning, it's always started the same way. For every one of them, across generations, across eras, across history. Over more than a century, they've all waited to get the same word. To get word that they've been chosen. Chosen to sacrifice. Are you kidding me? To dedicate. There's a letter. To serve. Dear Mr. Elliot. Dear Mr. Yee. Dear Mr. Holden. You've been selected for a mission. And authorized to report to the United States Naval Academy. United States Military Academy. On the 9th of July, 1960, 1960 14, 14 on 12th July, 2001, Annapolis, Maryland. West Point, New York. So proud of you, son. Are you sure about this? Yeah. You hear that? Boy's going to be an officer in the United States Army. Only they know what it feels like. To be a different kind of kid. The kind of kid willing to risk life for country. So many people ask, why would he ever commit to going to this type of an institution? It's scary as a parent. It's something I think every parent thinks about. But you're proud of him on the other hand, you know. They're actually giving up a lot of themselves to support and protect everyone else. How many people can say that that's what their kid decides to do? It's in his heart. And it has to be in your heart to defend the country. You can expect to be challenged academically, physically, morally. Uh, your summers <laughs> basically don't exist. You miss out on the kids' holidays. It's not going to be an easy journey. You have your academics, you have your military duty, and you have football. Yes, it is just a game. But a game that epitomizes everything they're here for. It's the only game that everyone's playing in it. They're willing to die for everyone who's watching it. Since 1890, the Army-Navy game has embodied the timeless commitment of a group of young men and women to the nation and the ideals that both academies serve. War heroes, presidents, and Heisman winners have all graced this stage. Enemies for one day, who know their calling will unite them when they leave the field. Just as their stories do, wherever in America they began. Now fly New Jersey. Chicago, Illinois. Phoenix, Arizona. Nashville, Tennessee. Our son is Jackson Dittman. James Nautical, number 19. Johnny Trainer, Number 6. Andrew Wood, number 61. Go Navy! Lead Army! Fort Atkinson is cheering for them. Park, you got this! Back to back. We can do this. Kick them butt! Go Army! Never forget how it all starts for them. 
Never forget what it takes to decide as a kid that your life is going to be about more than just yourself. You're a mother, you're always going to worry. That's her first one. She carried him around for, for 40 weeks. They would do whatever it took to protect our country. It's tough. Once he decided and thought that this was right for him, I supported him 100%. He knew it was the place for him, so I really just tried to embrace that. I'm not going to be selfish. That's the unselfish thing for your kids. You let them go. Gotta let them go. From the very beginning, it's always started the same way. Across generations. Across eras. They've gotten word that they've been chosen to sacrifice. To dedicate. To serve. And they've headed off to West Point. In Annapolis. It takes a certain kind of kid to commit to these institutions. Now today in a football game. Celebrate the courage of every man and woman to ever make that commitment. For the 118th time. This is Army Navy. That, of course, was the intro to last year's game. This year's one was, it was okay. It wasn't really noteworthy. Um, I wanted to play some videos that, the spirit videos, and the my favorite one was, unfortunately, unable to be attained. I can't find it. I mean, I live right here next to Fort Campbell, and I cannot find... 6th Battalion, 101st Aviation Brigade's D Company or D Troop or whatever the fuck they call themselves. They put out a awesome, awesome video. And it was featured on ESPN's sign-offs right before game day. And that's the only reason why I saw it. I searched ESPN. I searched YouTube. I searched the web. I searched everything. And once again, in the process of searching, I got Trump stories. But I don't fucking know. And then our second part, the infamous white power symbol. Yeah, that was a big deal and it's still going on. But I could not find this video. So this is a shitty recording. I apologize. I actually did this for my Bose soundbar and my phone. But this was fucking awesome. on that sign. We were worried because we knew the Naval Academy was going to be creative and, and, and the Navy folks were going to be so excited, but our Army, so Army was great. Much it like, three, the Army's won three uh, straight days. And much like you've won every week of sign-off? Then every week. I mean, yeah. Army, I, I, I'm going to crown them this week. Well, you want to make a prediction? No, I just yeah. crown them the sign-off winner. I think Navy's favorite about like 10 and a half points. I think it's going to be closer. I think, I think that's how upset 
So the premise, I, I could not see his rank. He looked like an E-78, maybe a first sergeant. It was so hard to see. He's running in front of all the brigade brigade headquarters on the 101st. So the first one's Bastone. Then he goes to strike. And then you hear Rakasan, which is my combat brigade that I fought with. And by the end, those people are, you know, she yells Rakasan, but she doesn't know what it means. But it's the motto. And it was such a great video, but nobody played it again. I couldn't find it. They played a shit ton of this one, and I gotta admit, it's pretty good. So let me play two together. We're gonna play, um, Old Town Goat. You knew somebody was gonna do it. And then last year, the army put out Alexis from the counter cyber some fucking geeks with computers. It's a pretty funny one. So here's two back to back. Boss, I'm flabbergasted. Why we stop? When you see a squid running that fast, you just gotta let him fly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You can stop the brand from stunting. You can't tell us nothing. You can't stop the brand from stunting. You can't tell us nothing. Running triple option, good luck trying to stop us. Black Knight's getting cautious, the Navy's looking flawless. A midlife is truly something like a movie. Dressing down smoothly with honor, courage, and duty. You can't stop a brand from stunting. You can't tell us nothing. You can't stop the brand from stunting. You can't tell us nothing. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and win and bring the trophy back. We're gonna... Bring it back to Annapolis. We're gonna go ahead and win and bring the trophy back. We're gonna bring it back to Annapolis. Nap town, come around, live like a midshipman. Shine your shoes, I am blues, uniform dripping. Army's got a habit, losing games and stolen trophies. Riding for the brand on December 14th. Got no stress, Army's team signed sad. We got a Malcolm, man, and he's crazy fast. Can't wait until we win and bring that trophy back. We're gonna... Bring it to a nap. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and win and bring the trophy back. We're gonna bring it back to a nap. We're gonna go ahead and win and bring the trophy back. We're gonna bring it back to a nap.
man, he's gone, gone. That boy fast. Faster than Malcolm Perry running the football down the field. Bro, we got better luck getting in the Navy than we do catching him. Out by four times. Me too. Man, let's get out of here. You think we're going to win this year? Absolutely not. Okay, I'm in. Roger, sir. All right, team, here we're going to go on a five mile run to get warmed up. Hey, where's Navy? Hey, you guys start off on a slow jog. Let me get Navy. All right, all right. Come on, Navy. Time for a run. I'll catch up. Hey, Alexis. Yes, Chad. Order me the Friday night special. Ordering a Hawaiian pizza. With extra pineapple from Grant Hall. Every single time. Hey, Alexis. When is this year's Army-Navy game? Army will beat Navy on December 8th, 2018. No, Alexis. Army beat Navy the last two years. There is no way that is happening for a third year in a row. Army will repeat Navy on December 8, 2018. Alexis? Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. And that is how you get a squid to run. Which brings me to the article, 10 Funniest Army-Navy Spirit Videos. This is from Military.com. Number one, Army Leads from a Front. It's a short film. It's a heist movie of Bill the Goat. Number two was Star Wars. Number three was the Alexis one that I just played, which I literally had to air record because you can't download it. Navy Mission Bond. Eh, that was kind of stupid. Sing Second was a spirit video where they sang We Gave a Ship. Operation Calamari from the Army, uh, Game for Real Players, uh, Army was Child Play, and still one of my faves, and I hate it because it's the Navy. Look at me now. This is a pretty good one. Naval Academy. More like nasal cavity. Blow you out when I have a cold. You think you look so fresh in your blue and gold? <laughs> Army gold and black. That's where it's at. Football team gonna attack. What? Why are you hanging from my side of the yard? You can't even get in. Leg up. Hey, 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 See, they really want to stop me. Fold down, no way, can't block me. Face down like a little bit of hockey. Touchdown like a 22 Osprey. Every time we play, Navy gonna win it. Never sinking, never only gonna swim it. Everybody hoping on me. Get a grip and Navy never choking on me. Always slipping and it's always fitting. Never gonna win it. Da -da -da -da. Then we gonna blast them like a rocket and I'm plugging like a sucker. Then I call the cause when Navy coming knocking. Then we pop up with the block and Navy defense is coming on me. Pass it up, I'm running Navy. Something like a stocking. 
We win the 12 straight, and we're gonna win again. Come on, baby, celebrate. Don't be worried about the trophy, because we're gonna keep it safe. CSC is ours now, so you better save face. Then we landed on the carriers and taking off a Harriers to full speed ahead, breaking through the sound of barriers. Army old line, maybe back with the sack. I'm a winning Santiago, better, better watch your back. Running over lines like a kid with a crayon, and we block it till they drop and push it back into the stance. Run high till we fly, and it's such a wave ride. Cody P getting heated, pulling all out of fire, and we never sell a win, so you better not be buying. Thank you very much for trying, laughing hard until we die. Kinda hard to keep a locked on face when your quarterback's crying. Crying. The game, of course, wasn't that great, but the pomp and circumstances, it's an American tradition. I'm, I apologize to my son, Zach, in Tennessee. I had a no-show him this time because uh, the better half wanted to go out, so we went out that day. And I got to admit, I thought that's how we'd end it. But instead, it's more of the same. Out of the investigation at the nation's top military academies, students from both West Point and the Naval Academy under scrutiny for flashing what looked like a white power symbol on live TV during the Army-Navy football game. Stephanie Ramos is here with the latest. Good morning, Stephanie. George, good morning. The play from the Army-Navy game football game in Philadelphia Saturday is getting the biggest reaction. West Point Military Academy staff and Navy Academy officials are investigating this moment right here where cadets at the game flashed this hand gesture, which is widely known as the white power symbol. It happened as an ESPN broadcaster was reporting live during the game. At least four cadets put up that symbol. Now, West Point is releasing a statement saying West Point is looking into the matter. At this time, we do not know the intent of the cadets. Now, the U.S. Naval Academy is also out with a statement saying it is also investigating and will hold those involved accountable. So, so this symbol, there's some, there, there might be a different meaning at the military academies than what we normally see over the Internet. Right. I mean, this is a familiar symbol. It looks like the OK sign. But since 2017, according to the Anti-Defamation League, the white nationalist community adopted that sign, uh, signifying white supremacy. So, again, the schools are investigating. The cadets have not been identified, so it's unclear what their actual intent was. Thanks very much. Controversy on the sidelines of the Army-Navy game. President Trump attended the rivalry in Philadelphia, taking the field for the coin toss. But it's what happened before the game that the military says it's now investigating. West Point cadets and one Annapolis midshipman captured on camera flashing what appeared to be a white supremacist hand sign during pregame festivities. Now, this is social media here of the signal. It resembles the OK sign with the thumb and the forefinger joined together in a circle, the remaining three fingers splayed out behind in the shape of a W and a P, presumably for white power. It is viewed by groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center as a white power sign. The gesture, though, is also used in the so-called circle game. It's a kid's game where someone holds a sign below their waist, and if someone notices it, then the person making the symbol is able to punch the person who noticed it on the shoulder. Military officials say the intent this time is unclear. Joining me now to talk about this, Malcolm Nance, author and MSNBC contributor. Malcolm, you're a Navy veteran. What is your take on all of this? Yeah, I'm an old Navy veteran. That's uh, bad for this whole take since I'm a chief. And let me tell you, as an old chief, I take a very dim view of their behavior in front of the camera. Uh, I cannot tell you whether it was a white power symbol or whether it was the, uh, you know, make you look game. One of them appeared to be the make you look game. The other one didn't. But you know what? I'm going to leave it to the commandant of West Point and the commandant, uh, you know, the commander of the U.S. Naval Academy, who, believe me, they are going to be going through this with a scythe. 
because the good order and conduct and the appearance of probity and dignity of West Point and the Naval Academy have been breached. And that is precisely why, by tomorrow morning, we're going to have some very decisive uh, looks into precisely what happened. Is this a sign of the times? Why does it seem like we're seeing more and more of these sentiments? Well, we're not sure whether we're seeing that sentiment, but, you know, as you know, the the alt-right hijacked the OK symbol, doing this in front of, uh, you know, television cameras and photographs, which makes the symbol WP for white power. For a very long time, the media was playing this role in believing that that was just a hoax that was being used. It is now being used everywhere as a symbol of white supremacy, white power, pro-Trumpism. We've seen police officers, including one uh, who uh, was on a security detail for the vice president, was fired because they were using these symbols. But, you know, there does exist this subculture within the armed forces that plays this stupid little game in which you put your, you know, an OK symbol down below the waist and the other person has to try to put his finger through it or you get punched. That has been around since before my time in the armed forces and my father's time in World War Two. But what we're seeing now is you may be seeing people who have, you know, not doing good order and discipline in the ranks, but you may also be seeing people who have an opportunity to present a white power symbol. And again, we are not going to be the arbiters of this. The armed forces are, and they are going to take an extremely dim view of it. And every single uh, player, anybody who's ever played basketball knows, too, that's also a sign for the three-pointer. You know, So it's like we said, it's all about intent here. Uh, going back to those students, what disciplinary action do you think that these students could possibly face? Well, they're already facing it. Because uh, by the time that they got back to their buses to uh, go back to the academy or, or, or up at West Point, uh, they will have been identified by their senior non-commissioned officers or their senior cadets uh, who were actually very clear who they were. By that point, it will have gone up the chain of command uh, by today when they arrived back at their academies. And there's already preliminary investigations being started at the, you know, the cadet level and the cadet leadership level. Not to mention there is a very large hammer coming down from the commandant's office and the commander's office at the Naval Academy. Because, again, this is now a national scandal, even though it might not be a scandal. But you know what? We're going to find out, and all of their senior non-commissioned officers, senior ranking officers, are going to be coming down on top of them like a ton of bricks because they have disgraced the armed forces, whether they were just, as we say, lollygagging and playing around, or whether they actually had the intent to make that symbol in front of a national audience. All right. None of them had any courage to stand up to him. And now we have an investigation of U.S. military cadets, Navy cadets, giving what appeared to be the the symbol of white power, the upside-down OK sign, and making sure it got on TV. And and the Southern Poverty Law Center views that upside-down OK symbol as a hate symbol. It means white power. Even if they thought that was just ha-ha funny, own the libs, what does it mean that military cadets would do something like that, knowing it's going to be on TV? Um, it means that they should be dealt with swiftly and harshly, um, investigate what they were intending to communicate. But, you know, Joy, I apologize for the grabby end soundbite, but there's nothing I can do that. There's no way to get that file. Um, and of course, I had to have race hustler, you know, Joy Reid on it.
Greg G, people who think cadets were throwing up a white power sign and not playing the circle game are fucking morons. Seems like a big jump to conclusion. Looks more like the made-you-look circle game. Hands are positioned down instead of up than an okay sign, which come some co-opted and trolled into white power symbol. Maybe someone should ask what they were thinking before melting Twitter down. USA Today is now accusing military students of the Army-Navy game of flashing a white power symbol. Since it's an upside-down, it looks more like a gotcha-made-you-look circle game than it does the okay sign, which some have tried to co-op. And you can see the picture. It's got his hands upside down. Jerry Dunleavy. Ben, why doesn't your piece point out that they're all made the hand gestures upside down such that it looks more akin to the made you look gotcha circle game than does the OK symbol? Why not at least accurately describe their actions at a bare minimum? This simply makes no sense because Ben Kessling over at the USA Today, West Point Annapolis investigate possible white power hand sign. They put the possible in and they won't ruin their life. On the internet, they literally showed his face. Replies, this bullshit where liberals attempt to define innocuous gestures as hate crimes is simply their way of asserting power by causing others to take their lies seriously. The proper response is a middle finger gesture. South Carolina politician, since we published this piece, Representative Norrell deleted all her tweets regarding the Army cadets and accusations of white power. Three separate cadets making the white power symbol on television. Wonder what the culture is like for a cadet in that front. There's no excuse, and he and other minorities there shouldn't have to deal with such cruel and disrespectful environment. By morning, she was joining the course of those calling for the military authorities to go after cadets seen during the broadcast. She then began to hear some individuals, sane individuals, explaining she was not seeing what she wanted to see. The explanation given by many on Twitter today is that these cadets are either saying things are okay or playing the circle game where they can punch someone who looks at their upside-down okay symbol. How is it a game if they're on TV and can't see who's the look? Context, because you're an idiot. I talked about it on TV. My brother, Matt Norgan, sends me pictures of the okay symbol. So you essentially admit the intentional white power claim was to cause an overreaction by posting this explainer, but you still stand behind the claim. This means one of two things. You're naive about hoax, but willing to jump the worst conclusions about anonymous cadets. You are aware of the intent to reinterpret a common symbol and now strive to weaponize the accusation. She even went into the 4chan hoaxers, hoped media would overreact by condemning a common image as white supremacists. By 2019, at least some white supremacists seem to have abandoned their ironic intent and used the symbol as a sincere expression. Oh, did you talk to them? Are all these liberals and journalists having conversation with white supremacists? Because I don't know any white supremacists. And I've been playing the circle game since I was a little kid. Lawrence Scott, director of player development for West Point football team, he wrote this, I had the privilege of working with some of the best and brightest young men in our nation who are destined for great futures. I know firsthand that they live in a vacuum. In other words, it's not happening immediately around them. They are not aware of it. I'm also well aware of the fact that they do not have the same opportunities as other college and university students to just let their hair down, so to speak. It's the little things that offer a little fun and excitement to their lives. I have, I have had my fair share of encounters with people who thought my skin color made me less than them. I will be the first to say that racism and supremacy, I white 
supremacy ideologies should no place in our military or our nation. However, to immediately assign meaning to a gesture made by a young cadet midshipman without consideration of the disposition is irresponsible. It's quite frankly unfair to immediately assume such a disgusting thing about an individual. It's a game these students play, white and black alike. I see it almost every day. They've even gotten me with it before, as I mentioned. It's the little things that offer a little joy and excitement. Don't assume the worst of our best. If it was what some are accusing it to be, it's unacceptable, period. I just find it troubling and even problematic to assume the worst. And let's consider this for a second. If you didn't know about the game, why is it so hard to believe they didn't know about white supremacy symbol? Maybe the world they live in is the one we always wanted for them. We are all learning. I believe in us. In the time I took to go to church and have breakfast with my parents, this has gotten a lot of attention. Instead of responding, I'll leave this here. Some of you need it. Less arguing, more understanding. They're just smearing these poor kids. Mike Brennan at USA Today did a big deal. Defiant dad, as an American Army dad, a decent human being, you hate to see racist West Point cadets embodied by the president of racist in chief of the Army, Navy game, to throw up white power signs on TV. They, they got their faces. They, they put them all over the place. I, I, I'm just, it started with Hamadia Ahmad, I guess the journalist, let's make this go viral, this happened on national television today, these two felt like it was okay to put up a white power symbol on national TV, mind you, they are part of the Navy. Cliff Sims. Here we go again. This time it's Mike Brin of USA Today trying to ruin the lives of cadets for playing the circle game because in some alternate reality, they just might be white supremacists. At some point, someone's got to bring a defamation case against these students. It's just, it's just on, I, I can't even speak. You don't even know them. You automatically assume. Wall Street Journal. West Point and Annapolis officials are trying to determine the motives of service academy students who flash hand signs on national television that in a certain context are associated with white power. Kurt Schilling. This is just idiotic. It's a bunch of guys playing the circle game about 10 years after their friends all stop. But yeah, let's make it out to be racist since everything else you see in here is as well. Left-wing Christine Teigen tried to suggest the hand gestures were spurred on by Trump. Let's pretend for a second these people really are doing the white power, white national hand symbol. What does it even do for anyone? Do you get points for each time it's seen? Is there a boss out there keeping score, or is it like paging someone? Cabot Phillips. They scored plenty of points, too. If that's the criteria, Austin Fletcher responded to Tegan by writing on Twitter, Exactly. It does mean nothing. It's not a real thing. You figured it out. And then the world did the same thing we always do. Obama, Clinton, Clinton female. Circle game. They did it. Nobody cared. This is a warning to the media, Kurt Schiltzer. If you, Covington, the cadets, you will be held accountable in court in front of a jury and not in your comfortable, pathetic blue enclaves. Do not participate in defamation of American heroes. They even have pictures of AOC 
with the vesture, the, with the gesture. The party man. The media tries to ruin people recreationally. This is a day three of trying to destroy the lives of these cadets for playing the circle game. NS stated they've opened up an investigation. So that's our Army Navy game. They got to ruin everything. That's what they do. Most of these brave firefighters who are up in arms about the circle game by a Navy fucking whatever the fuck they call themselves didn't even watch the game. Because martial displays sicken them. With our planet about to explode in 12 years, why are we even having militaries? National Guard responds to Virginia congressman who proposed using it to enforce gun control. This is the general, Timothy P. Williams. We received multiple questions regarding proposed legislation for the 2020 General Assembly session and the authority of the governor of Virginia to employ the National Guard in a law enforcement role, Williams said in a statement posted on his official Virginia National Guard Twitter account. We understand and respect the passion people feel for the U.S. Constitution and Second Amendment rights. We will not speculate about the possible use of Virginia National Guard, he continues. Because now he's saying he's going to use the National Guard. We talked about it last podcast. Yeah. So, you know. The only time liberals want to use the military is to quell conservatives. That's what they're there for. Memorial to the most devastating loss in the history of the Army Division has been relocated. I talked about this briefly before, but they basically have moved the Gander Memorial due to a disease in the trees and birds. It's pretty fucked up. Um, it's a second brigade, so they've now moved to 256 new Canadian sugar maple trees. The entire monument has been uprooted and moved, and that's pretty good. This week, while liberals are trying to take down poor cadets, was the anniversary of Bastogne. And the 101st Airborne Division went over there. There's articles about the last-ditch stands of one platoon that saved everything. And i got to admit, it's pretty historic. They even put soldiers in the original fighting positions from Bastogne. So, got a little soundbite that goes like this.
proceed to the wheat lanes. Monsieur Benoît Lugen, bourgmestre, dépose des fleurs au nom de la ville de Boston. Mr. Benoît Lugen, mayor, is laying a wreath on behalf of the town of Boston. of the United States of America is laying a wreath. La délégation des États-Unis d'Amérique dépose des fleurs. Pretty historic stuff there. You're going to see him talking about the hollow ground, going through areas, 
um, in the foxholes. Guys actually occupy them, like I said. Um, it was it's pretty freaking neat. And for those that aren't, you know, don't know much about it, but they were surrounded, and they literally, when asked to surrender, said nuts. And then Patton came in and fucked everybody up. So, good stuff. Lastly, these military nonprofits offer troops a little holiday help. Your installation family service center, airmen and family readiness center, army community service, fleet and family service center, marine corps community center, your installation chapel, red cross, the USO, armed services, YMCA, full circle home, operation holiday joy, operation home front, operation ride home, soldiers, angels, toys for tots, trees for troops, plenty of places out there. I used to donate Six turkeys every year to the Rockasans, but then they stopped calling me because I don't think they need it anymore, so I don't send them. So, that's our military corner. We're going to go into a another Christmas song, and on the way out, I'm going to replay it. Surprisingly, right now, my file for Bastogne was corrupt, and they finally put up the Army-Navy video that got featured on frickin' uh, Sports Center. So, here's the full version Better quality, not with my birds chirping. And then we'll come into College Crazy. And my favorite part of the show, College Crazy, Gay Shit, and Everything's Racist. Crew 101st Airborne Division Air Assault. And friends who let friends join the Navy. Air Assault!
Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Of a Christmas just like the ones I used to know. In the in the last scene, how it shows the Charlottesville, and then it shows Donald Trump like talking about it, and then it cuts to David Duke, like the real one talking about it. Mm. Was that was was that scene of him talking? Was that about the Charlottesville thing and like him like saying, yeah, like oh Trump's right and all this kind of stuff, or was that like at another time period? Like, he said he was talking about it like from Trump's like campaign like earlier. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there was never any distancing from any of the white power. Uh, and as I pointed out, they found a big cache of, uh, of uh, online material uh, from Stephen Miller, the, his the senior White House advisor. So <coughs> we got a problem. You know, we got a problem in our, in our nation. It's not our right. And that is a uh, conservative's co-op professor for quiz comparing Trump's America First slogan to KKK. Yeah, they were watching Black Klansmen. In a statement, the University Star, Matera, said the quiz is simply based on the information from PolitiFact to see if they could read an article and understand what it's saying. All I want them to do is be able to fact-checking source, use a fact-checking source, to determine for themselves... What is true and what is not true in a film that is a biopic? Texas College Republicans, statewide collegiate organization for the Republican Party of Texas, tweeted an image of the quiz, which conservative organizations, including the student for Trump, subsequently picked up. It's completely unacceptable behavior by a professor, professor, professor from Texas State University from articles about how white people shouldn't exist to a professor associate associating our president with white supremacists. This university has proven time and time again to be an institution of ignorance. Yeah. It's one of the answers. Basically, if you say that, then you're uh, a racist. Another one. Absolutely disgusting behavior from a professor. But that's what our professors do. Professor, college Republicans have white supremacist views supporting Trump re-election, a racist provocation. Yeah. California State University Chico State Faculty Association released a statement Wednesday assuring student body that it was aware of what it characterizes as harm caused by the Republican group on campus calling President Donald Trump a symbol of insult, derision, and ridicule of a specific group within our society. 
The Chico State Student Government released a resolution in response to CFA and urged the administration to take disciplinary action against students who break student con- conduct rules. We take this stance because students of color have expressed they, that they are experiencing an increasing hostile racial climate both on and off campus since President Trump took office. It is unjust for students of color to experience overt or covert forms of racism, racism ideologically, systematically, or in practice. Chico State student Michael Curry, who's also campus reform campus correspondent, was battered by an irate student in November for holding All Lives Matter sign. Play that on the show. On the day following the battle, the college Republicans were taunted by a number of students and treated like shit. They actually put it out that you it is racist and it's harmful to people because if you like Trump, that hurts me. Hmm. Students sue UC over discriminatory SAT admission requirement. The University of California system has formed the Standardized Testing Task Force, which plans to drop the SAT-ACT requirement for admission to all nine of its undergraduate campuses. Top UC officials, including UC President Janet Napolitano, who is a piece of shit, and UC Berkeley Chancellor Carol Crist are frontrunners in the initiative. Established in 2018, the task force's main goal is to examine the current use of standardized testing for UC admissions. Its mission is to review the testing principles developed in 2002 and revised in 2010. Crist expressed her critical views on the current admission requirements, saying on November conference, hosted by policy analysts for California Education, PACE, and the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Education, I'm very much in favor of doing away with the SATR Act as required for application. I believe just given the kinds of patterns of wealth and preparation for the test, that they're really contributing to inequity in our system. So, you can be stupid. We don't want you smart. If you're a person of color, we automatically are racist pieces of shit and believe that you shouldn't be educated. Just show up. We'll give you a passing grade because life is hard on you. Truman State denies student or because of emotional risk to students. A student at Truman State University of Missouri tried to start an animal rights club, but the school rejected a request citing emotional risk. According to the Student Rights Organization Foundation for Individual Rights and Education, Truman State student Naomi Matthews went through a process to start the Animal Alliance Club by submitting an application, finding more than 10 interested individuals and selecting a visor. According to a letter that Fire wrote to the president of Truman State University, the school has unconditionally denied recognition of a proposed student organization focused on animal rights or veganism. Fire also stated the university that denies students' right to expression because of emotional risk is inconsistent with the First Amendment. The organization called on Truman State to change the policies and recognize the Animal Alliance and wrote out statements of fact considering the school's process for recognizing students or organization emails from students and public information relating to the case. According to Fire Letter to the School, the Philosophy and Religion Club was rejected due to risk management. Arm was denied because it represented four religions, which could cause issue within the organization. Love Your Melon, an organization that works with a hat company for children with cancer, was denied because it was not different, differentiated from groups on campus and because a fundamental fundraiser for cancer research was considered too high of emotional and physical risk. I was shocked when the school rejected our club. We had done everything they asked to, and it's, it's a liberal one. But they're just so worried about everybody's feelings. Just feelings. Yeah. It's just too much feelings. To our gay shit.
Ey, 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 bow, bow, Lil pump in the cut. Ey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. The ad from wedding planning website Zola featured a lesbian couple kissing at the altar, which drew the ire of conservative groups. So Hallmark then pulled that ad from its channel, saying that it had become a distraction. That blew the whole thing up, and now, under pressure, Hallmark is apologizing and trying to unmake its mess. The head of the advocacy group GLAAD weighing in on that decision overnight. This reversal is so important for the LGBTQ community who two days ago said, were told that they weren't worthy of running an advertisement on the Hallmark Channel. The decision to put the ad back on the air is absolutely 100% the right one. The controversy began after the conservative group, One Million Moms, petitioned the network to reconsider airing commercials with same-sex couples. The group is part of the American Family Association, which has been classified as an anti-LGBT hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. On Twitter, Ellen DeGeneres wrote, Isn't it almost 2020? What are you thinking? Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg tweeted, Being family-friendly means honoring love, not censoring difference. Ellen DeGeneres speaks for a lot of people when she says, Hallmark, what were you thinking? It's 2020. Yeah. Who's in the room when that decision's made? Someone, as a Holocaust survivor, said to me after the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting, I keep thinking about it in this controversy, is love is easier than hate. Yes. yes. So this all started because a group, One Million Moms, a branch of the American Family Association, posted a position of complaint after Hallmark aired a Zola commercial that featured a lesbian couple getting married and sharing a kiss. Its petition has almost 22,000 signatures as of Thursday afternoon. And so they removed it. Remember, they were getting hit because they had enough black and gay people. So then they do this. Uh, during the commercial break, there was a commercial from Zola with two women locking lips. Please, Hallmark, you're one of the few channels we thought we could not have to deal with this issue. We love you, but won't keep watching with this type of ad. It aired shortly after Michael Vicari, Vice President of Program at Hallmark, told The Wrap the channel will be developing gay shit because people are all pissed off there's not enough gay things. All right? Then by the end, Glad gets a hold of it because Twitter pushed it. It became a Twitter moment because they pulled the commercial. Twitter didn't co-opt and push the moms. No. There was no hashtag support. There was no nothing. But this hashtag, when I woke up, it was there. All right? Hallmark Channel apologizes will allow LGBT ads promise to work with GLAAD. On Sunday, Mike Perry, the CEO of Hallmark, apologized for having caused hurt and disappointment for pulling the Zola ad featuring a lesbian wedding kiss. The Crown Media team has been agonizing over the decision as we've been hurt and unintentionally caused. Basically, by the end, we are committed because if we don't, these crazy motherfuckers are going to make our life miserable. And with all social media and the rest of the media carrying this story, we don't want any bad PR. So, Tony tweets the following on the Boycott Hallmark Channel. Now, remember, I would never have known the Moms Organization pulled it. I would never know there was backlash because they did pull it. And I would never know anything, but Twitter forces it. I was going to search for something, and to go to that phase, they at the very top push 
gay shit. Or everybody's racist. Or Trump's the devil. Whether you want it or not. Whether your feed ever touches politics. It's going to be there. Because Twitter's here to tell you how to think. So hashtag boycott, uh, boycott Hallmark at Hallmark Channel. Stand your ground. Cancel culture represents 5% of the country. Try and tell the 95% how to live, what to think and feel. LGDP, LGD, LGBT are already overrepresented on TV at 11%. There is nothing wrong with one channel staying away from SJW nonsense. My Twitter account was attacked for 48 hours. More than that. It was 96 hours. People reading that. And what was invariably the same gaze or line or thing? Christians are bad. Now you just heard what I said. I never said anything about Christians. I never talked about God. I said, hey, you stand your ground. If you don't want to fucking play that shit, don't fucking play it. The most important part of all this, as I argued throughout, is that these people who are so offended they pulled a gay ad never watch Hallmark. They're not going to watch shows like that. They're too wholesome. 75% of them don't believe in God, and 75% of them don't fucking even do Christmas. They admit it. And they get so hung up on my stats. I do not know how many times I typed glad. I typed gallop. Because gays who are part of the progressive cabal don't know they're not normal. They're not the norm. I don't mean that as abnormal. I mean, they're not the norm. There is not a 50% of America gay. Or 25% like America thinks. They represent 5.4%. During my arguments, I shot back. I'm part of the 0.3% who fought in Afghanistan. But I don't need TV to validate me. And I don't boycott when they don't have army ads. Or a million fucking... Army commercials. It is the most ludicrous thing. People who don't use the product got to bully a product. And I said it over and over. The gay mafia comes in and they lose their fucking minds. Yet you don't use the product. Why do you fucking care? I asked numerous. Why do you need TV to validate you or your life? Because that's their push. That they're validated when they're seen on TV. It's so important for little tranny kids to see trannies on TV. So they know they're okay. So fast forward to uh, Monday. Buddy, the Christmas dog, had to go fucking get groomed. I hate doing it. The dog vomits in the Jeep. He doesn't like the Jeep. So, I, I mean, I, he doesn't vomit on the way there. By the time I get him home, he vomits between the seats into the cup holder. Yeah, tell me how you clean that. I mean, I was in there for half an hour wiping up puke. But I know I didn't get it all because it probably went underneath the goddamn carpet. 
I pull up to our Starbucks in Clarksville. There are like four or five Starbucks, but the main ones by the mall, because I was going to get a cup of coffee and do some grocery shopping. Well, what's taking my order? I don't know. I'm assuming it's gender fluid, blue haired dude looking like a girl with face piercings and freakazoid. So when I take the order, it's all friendly and I pull up and it's instant smile to no smile. $11, please. And I go, somebody screwed you guys. He goes, what? Yeah, they hacked your cranberry bliss bar because my Christmas treat is cranberry bliss bar at Starbucks. I love that thing. Well, uh, my wife did a search. There's like 85 recipes, and she did two of them this weekend and found the one that's the the fucking bar. I mean, it's... And in, in there, they even say they got... They worked at Starbucks, and they hacked the shit. Him and this black lady get all rude. Now, I've never done anything. Remember, I'm sitting there in a stocking cap, a sweatshirt. I'm in a Jeep. I guess I reek too much cis-normative... Or I'm automatically soon to be a racist. I don't know. I get this attitude. What are you saying? And then I say it again. And he goes, that's just pretty common, sir. And she, she, it, whatever the fuck, slams the door in my face. And I was still talking. I was just trying to make conversation. I always make conversation while you're waiting. Well, it comes back and gives me my coffee. I go, can I get a cup holder, please? Throws my coffee in the cup holder. There's coffee all over it. And jams it out the door. I go, can I get a receipt? I put the coffee down. It's now all over me, all over the stick shift, all over the seat. Because it wasn't unintentional. It was intentional. The way he put the cup, he, it, whatever. It was forcefully sloshed. The top of the cup is covered, I'm getting to a point in a second, of just coffee everywhere. My wife's coffee everywhere. And he goes, you have a nice day. And that's exactly the tone. I just deadpanned it, but I can't talk like a woman. And I lose it and just go, you know, I'm not. Because your customer service sucks. I try to make conversation. You're rude. I don't know what your problem is with people. But maybe you shouldn't be the representative of Starbucks at the door. If you're going to be an asshole to people, just because you don't like whatever it is I'm putting off here. Instantly a manager walks up and complains, or says it's okay. The black lady backs up, because now she's not an ally. And this it thing is glaring at me, because I'm probably not the first one. And it makes me think. Who are the bigots? Is it really people that are watching religious-based shows and don't want two lesbians in the middle of it? Are they the bigots? Because they just don't want to see it on a channel that's habitually wholesome? That's why people watch it? Or is it the people that force that on others... And then instantly, when you disagree, dog religion. I cannot tell you how many times, believing in that fake God of yours, you fake Christians with your hate for us, based on, hey, they already already represented, man. 
You're overrepresented. You guys want 20% gay? There's not 20% gay people in the country. Why do you need this? And nobody defining why, because they just like are Democrats on the impeachment. It has nothing to do with the line, they say. It's not validation. It is, you are evil because you're not gay. You're evil because you believe in a God, which biblically says gay is wrong. All religion does. And whether we espouse it or say it, as Christians, we're just evil because we believe that. We hate you because you're normal. Everything the LGBT community is, is abnormal. They want to abnormal everything, and they have to dog all normalness. And once again, I don't give a fuck if you're gay. I don't care if this guy wanted to be the best unicorn in the world, because I don't know what he was shooting for. But it looked like one of those blue unicorns my daughter had with the blue hair being all freaky. Hey, if that's what he wants to do, go do it, boy. I don't give a fuck. But it's their hate of everybody else. It's their having to shove it in everybody's face and tell them, you're evil because you don't want my freakiness. Need some examples? Seattle public officials suspended for hiring transgender stripper for homelessness concert. Christopher F. Rufo, my wife, found this. Black's transgender stripper Beyonce Black St. James reportedly danced on tables, gave lap dances, and stripped down a pair of silver pasties as people threw dollars at the homeless conference conference held on December 9th, noted Erica C. Barnett on her website. The C is for crank. Last week, Seattle and King County leaders hired transgender stripper Beyonce Black St. James to perform at their annual conference on solving homelessness. Here's how they're using your taxpayer money. This is revolting. Now, I want you to close your eyes and envision me, a hundred pounds heavier, most of you don't know what I look like, but balding old dude, big old Buddha belly that's floppy and hanging, fake titties that are flopping and hanging, shaking my ass for a homelessness shelter. That's what it was. It's not because it's a transgender. It's because nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see me running around a G-string with pasties on my man boobs. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. If I did it, they hired me to do a dance, there'd be ten times the outrage. You had a cis-normative fucking behemoth wildebeest up there shaking his ass. Kira Zilstra acting... Director of King County Coordinating Agency for Homelessness organized the all-home conference at South Seattle College and was placed on administrative leave as an investigation was launched into St. James' performance. The theme of the conference was decolonizing our collective work. 
city and county employee donors and representatives of Catholic Community Services, Mary's Place, and Neighborhood and House were all in attendance at the homelessness event. Barnett reported, although some people saw the performance called it fun, fabulous, and rare opportunity for queer people of color, St. James is black, to be represented in the sort of space usually dominated by straight white people. Others disagreed, complaining that the show was too sexual and forced people to participate in a sexualized performance without prior consent. The Seattle Times reported St. James striptease was referred to in the program only as cultural presentation. So now gyrating your fat ass is cultural representation. Seattle Times reported St. James Triptease... Oh, I'm sorry, I fucked that up. No one expected it, a staffer told the Times, so I think some people felt uncomfortable. In a report emailed to Barnett, Dennis Raltenor, Deputy Director of King County Department of Community and Health Service, said the department is aware the event was occurred during the All Home Annual Conference on December 9, 2019. We have placed the Director of All, All Home on administrative leave, paying the result of the investigation into the event and the leadership of the All Home because there's an active investigation underway. I'm unable to respond, but basically what it means, this person who makes $123,000 a year is going to get it slapped on the wrist. Because they're just going to say, everybody's a bigot. When they do something wrong, you're the bigot. When you have happy feet on the middle of fucking Macy's parade, and everybody complains, because I wasn't the only one, and cut up their Macy cards, they just double down on, you're a bigot. They never even acknowledge that, oh, maybe dudes and drags on Thanksgiving probably ain't cool for most of America. It's a cultural presentation. They are so mafia, LGBT group targets radical feminist group event, Seattle Public Library, Mike Cave, the Women's Liberation Front, a radical feminist group. They want them to fuck God, I'm not going to go into it, but because they're anti-trans, because trans people are taking up all their space. More great articles from our media. Transgender Latina makes history as evangelical Lutheran pastor. Nobody can question my faith, my devotion to Christ, my devotion to the church. Pastor Nicole Garcia said, being trans is secondary. I hate to say this because it's really kind of fucked up. I think God's going to question it. <laughs> I mean, I do believe even what I'm doing right now, smoking a cigar... Having a dip. I don't think it's God's down with what I'm doing. Your body is your temple. Rooters! And this, this is once again where I just draw the fucking line. Best of 2019. 11-year-old LGBT activist and runway model Desmond Napolis, also known as Desmond Amazing, wants to inspire children to be themselves. Best of 2019, 11-year-old drag star wants you to be amazing. Best of 2019, drag star Desmond is amazing, wants to inspire you to be yourself. There were seven tweets of this child abuse. I would define myself as an inspirational uh, drag kid, but if I had one word, I think it'd be amazing.
A drag kid is uh, exactly what it sounds like, a kid who, do, who does drag. I came up with the idea because I felt like drag, drag queen was too adult. So me and my mom, we thought of something and then we came up with drag kid. Well, my mom and dad handled the necklace comments, but, you know, I think they're just jealous of how fabulous I am. And my mom has three sets. Delete, lock, report. I think you should always be yourself because it's... In my opinion, it's easier to deal with negative things when you're expressing yourself. You are amazing. We are amazing. We are amazing. Amazing IMG, strike a pose, one, two, three. Amazing IMG, strike a pose, one, two, three. Straight up child abuse. That's so fucking inappropriate. I, I can't even contemplate the amount of inappropriate things I could say right now. That kid's a fucking train wreck. His parents are pieces of fucking shit. He should be taken away from him. It's okay if he wants to be whatever, but he's a sexualized object. And nobody sees it. Am I the only one? Best. At best, this resembles the sexualization of a minor. Alexa, why do people despise the new new media? Adults should be free to express themselves however they choose. But we should all be against the sexualization of child. This is wrong, and that was a gay person. That's what they want to do. They want to sexualize, brainwash kids. They don't see it. They don't see that that is fucking anus. PSU, Portland State University professor pokes pick of queer ecologies course that rethinks nature of nature. This is how this is how twisted they are. Queer Ecologies, Rethinking the Nature of Nature. This class uses queer lens, whatever the fuck that is. I didn't know there were gay cameras. To understand bodies, places, and environment. We explore how gender, sexuality, and queer experience and identity intersect with the race, class, disability, and settler colonialism to construct bodies and places as natural and the role of science plays in defining nature. It's a fucking train wreck. It's just, it's just a fucking train wreck, man. That is everything intersectionality dumped into one pile. Ivy League professor, I'm not going to read it because it's every year. This is the new one. Rudolph is the queerest holiday special, even though conservatives will be infuriated. It's a rewrite of the same fucking shit we hear everywhere. Professor argued that journeys of film's central characters, Rudolph and his friend Hermie the Elf, represent the ability to gain agency over your own life, adding that her experience is likely shared among those who identify as LGBTQ. And then there's Hermie the Elf, beautiful and blonde, where all the other elves resemble bulbous node Vulcans. All he wants is to be able to be himself, a dentist, in fact, instead of being forced to toil in Santa's soul-crushing toy factory. What the fuck?! It's a cartoon. Sometimes I dream of seeing an elderly grown-up Hernie making one of those It Gets Better videos. 
There's plenty of queer code in Christmas Town. After Rudolph's red nose shines, his father, Donner K, for instance, causing Donner a curiously profound mortification. The old man comes up with a fake nose for his boy to wear, you know, so as not to offend the straights. Maybe it goes without saying that this is exactly how I felt putting on a coat and tie to go to my right-wing all-boys high school before coming out as a trans years later. The professor continued before voting, going on to ascribe a hidden meaning to the fact that Rudolph was voiced by a middle-aged woman. Yeah. Then you got this. Drag queens hijack Christmas on a sleigh ride. When Christmas time comes around, many people find themselves reminiscing on traditional songs like We Three Queens and All Want for Christmas is Nudes. Well, maybe not many people. Probably just ridiculous wackos who want to pervert Christmas, all of its traditions, and tear it from its roots in Christianity, like the left and the LGBTQ EIEIO movement promoting woke drag queen remakes of holiday classics. In the spirit of woke Christmas, Billboard recommends starting up versions of holiday classics featuring drag queens. Chris Malone writes, Drag queens may not be the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about Christmas, but make no mistake, just because they own Halloween doesn't mean they aren't the one of the best parts of the holiday season. Yes, drag queens are one of the best parts of the holiday season. If you really dislike the traditional holiday season, one of the songs that makes the list, 12 Days of Christmas, contains the line, On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me herpes. All I Want for Christmas is Nudes talks about the joy of not wanting drugs for Christmas, but naked pictures instead. Really festive. And nothing says Christmas quite like drag queen name Alaska Thunderfuck. No, there, there, there's no mental illness over there. Dressed up as one of the wise men for a music video of We Three Queens. Perhaps the most striking thing about the holiday remake is drag queens solely and selfishly promoting themselves. The exact opposite of what Christmas is about. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The, I'm just going to play it. Here, here's girl, me. I heard this girl named Mary just gave birth and she's never had sex. Ah, oh, she's missed out on all the good part. Whatever, the first time is always awkward. But look at the baby shower registry. I got her myrrh. I had to look it up. I got gold. Gold? Gold? Girl, all I have is this frankincense that I'm re-gifting. Please, queens, Bearing gifts, it's rather so it's as bad as it sounds. I can't believe Alaska Manila and Peppermint invented Christmas. Serving black, white, and Asian realness. They should name their brand Panda. It has uh, 915,000 dislikes. Jesus fucking Christ. What is wrong with you people? What is wrong with them? They just have to ruin everything. But there was a positive in all this. It's super negative, but it's positive because I've been trying to break away from Netflix forever, but the wife really liked it until this. Merry Christmas, Christians. Netflix special as Christ 
as a closeted gay. Netflix far-left cultural enrichment center has decided to provide a grotesque riff on the life of Jesus Christ for the sake of comedy. Partnering with Brazilian producers, the streaming giant produced a comedy film about a homosexual Jesus going home for the holidays. Called the Primera Tentaco de Cristo, or the First Temptation of Christ. The Brazilian-produced Netflix holiday movie has already created a major stink in Brazil, where reportedly one million folks have signed a petition condemning the garbage. It's not hard to see why the concept itself is reprehensible enough to Jesus Christ representing moral perfection and spiritual purity. The trailer is infuriating as it presents Jesus coming home for his 30th birthday, I will not play it, with his boyfriend in tow. The family hijinks and Susan's both Mary Joseph and friends slowly realize that Jesus Christ's holiday guest known the Savior on the more intimate level. You can get the you can see the Virgin Mary raise her eyebrows, she slowly figure out what's going on. What's more hilarious than the Son of God coming out to his family. Pink News reported on the great anger and furious vengeance of Christian conservatives after the film dropped on Netflix, claiming about one billion one million people in predominantly Catholic country, have signed a petition against the parody Gay Jesus Netflix film. Many of the petitioners slammed the film's Brazilian creator, Porta dos Fundos, or what I like to say, Porta Potty Fuckhead, or Backdoor in Portuguese, yes it writes itself, as demons and heretics for their work. They are not new to religious mockery game either. The group of five producers from Rio de Janeiro produced a Netflix film last Christmas called The Last Hangover. Another gross immoral lampoon in the New Testament story, The Hangover parodies Todd Phillips' American comedy film by portraying the apostles waking up hungover the morning after the Last Supper, wondering where the Messiah is. I'm not going to read anymore. We canceled Netflix, and when they asked me why, because I've been a Netflix subscriber for like six years... I said, you put that on the air. I put up with all your other social justice stuff. I put up with your gay feed, even though I wasn't gay and I never watched a gay film, but it would always come in and what to watch, watch next. I put up with you pairing with Obama to make just liberal, all conservatives or evil movies. I, I, I put up with it. Because there was some good content. But, you know, that's just a bridge too far. Pervy Christmas, Fox Family Guy turns Santa visit into underage sexual climate. Not reading it. Yeah. Then we go back to Disney Plus. Marvel promotes childhood transgenderism. Disney and Marvel are marching lockstep with trans propaganda in the most nefarious form. It's advocacy for transgender children. Disney's new streaming platform, Disney Plus, showcases the story of one little trans girl as she fights to live as herself, or rather mask over the reality of her being born as a boy with pink tennis shoes, long hair, and giving speeches at pride marches. Breibart reported on Disney's latest bit of progressive propaganda, writing, The new Disney Plus streaming service is spotlighting the activism of a 12-year-old transgender girl as part of the new Marvel unscripted series, Hero Project. The series is comprised of short video bios and real-life kids who are making an impact on the world, or in the case, muddying the waters for millions of wide-eyed kids with access to tablets and killing progressive active, social killing uh, progressive activism. Which brings me to my point. Why I cover most of this stuff really isn't to bash gay people or come across as a gigantic transphobe or homophobe or phobiphobe. Ha! 
How are they victims? It was something I posed. I had three adult conversations with gay people that were normal, just the gay people I've ever met. Normal people, they just are gay. That's their sexual quirk. Whatever. Didn't really care. Don't care. I never care. But they even had to admit at the end, how are they victims? What is actually being taken away from you? Under Obama's pandering, you got everything you wanted. You've lost transgenders in the military. That's fucking it. The ERA was never going to happen because women never got that fucking shit. You're sure you're sure the fuck not because you don't even recognize women. You actually infringe on women's rights. And you're glad Twitter, every major network, you have nothing but a PR fucking nightmare for anybody with an opposing view. They dox people. They ruin people. They fucking ruin businesses. They put people out of business for not making cakes. I mean, what the fuck? And then you push and push. Now Hallmark's going to have 85 gay movies. Fucking Chick-fil-A gave up on their shit because you got fucking bullied the shit out of them. Everybody in the world has to have transgender fucking bathrooms. Bathroom bills got swapped for fucking third bathrooms just to have family bathrooms, get people to shut the fuck up. Disney is up in arms trying to produce gay shit. Fucking every major network, because I've done a count just one night, quarter gay, I think Glad's off, but Glad's counting lead characters with real gay stories. They want the L word. They want people tripping and butt-fucking on TV. And you need to watch it. Not only do you need to watch it, you need to get sexually aroused and want to go fuck somebody in the ass. Because if you don't, you're a transphobe. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're pushing for. It's not good enough just to be in it. But my point is, they have pushed so far. Marvel's got 45 gay, trans, black, trans, everything that keeps changing. They don't know. Latino, black. Trans, woman, color, trans, something, characters. There's fuckers in rooms sketching all sorts of fucking shit as the shit keeps evolving. They don't even know what to put out. Because you don't even know. You got 99 pronouns. And a bitch ain't one. I just channeled fucking Jay-Z. I mean, seriously. How are you victims? I rest my case on one statement. I never knew about the million mom fucking boycott of a commercial. I didn't even know about it. But I was, everybody in the world knew about them pulling that commercial. It was viral and Twitter was shoving it. and just kept shoving it. And I am so blown away that it might, it was 400 something likes, retweets. Most people were me. I never even... I was surprised it didn't get kicked off. Because usually it's... There had to be something they could twist and say, you're anti-trans. Because then I went back to the feed. Top, my tweet got in there because so many people saw it. And of course, the trans crowd, the LGBT mafia, lost their fucking mind over it. Just, ah, you goggled Christian people. Which is... Really, the point of all this, I say it over and over, I know, but it's not about inclusion, man. You want to get 
you're per, you perceive people don't accept you, so you want to ruin Christmas, shove gay sex in their face, you will be gay! And then you won't be the right gay. You'll be Pete Buttleg. More proof. Matthew Chase. New pronoun guidance. Inclusive language tip from New York Taxi. Dear TLC drivers, as you may know, if you're on duty, you may get picked up passengers regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, sexual identity, disability, or destination. Here are some tips that will make your trip with a passenger more inclusive. Using someone's preferred pronoun is a simple way to show respect. Ask the passenger what their pronoun is. Do not assume someone's pronoun because of their appearance or name on the ta- on the app. If you do not want to ask, you can ask how they prefer to be called or use a gender-neutral pronoun such as they or z. Introduce yourself and share your pronouns. Some examples of pronouns are he, him, she, him, z, 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 blah, 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 blah. It's a short list to the 99. If you make a mistake using a pronoun, be sure to apologize. Do not use words such as he or she or it, which is what I like to use. This offensive to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer community. See, they don't even have a fucking name that rolls. They keep adding fucking letters. Washington Post, perspective. Please stop making jokes about gender pronouns when people tell you theirs. So what jokes are people making that are so hurtful? In these contexts, there's no need to be cute or funny. Don't say your pronouns are princess and in charge. You may get a laugh, but it is the cost of alienation, discomfort, or frustration of vulnerable people worth it. Point zero seven percent The strap hangers and people like my daughter who want to be fucking allies, we might bump it to 5-7%. I'll give you 10%. Play this stupid game. Why do we need to worry about it? Nobody cares about what I what I care about. They don't give a fuck, and I don't expect them to. A cisgender person who claims that their pronoun are dance mom and brat is suggested they are not interested in how fraught this matter can be for trans and non-binary people. Somebody's reply. Please stop pretending that out of all the human beings on earth, you are somehow uniquely precious. (laughs) It's true. People who use preferred pronouns when they introduce themselves are asking others to ignore their common sense. And lastly, the normal reaction is to make joke. It's a good way to let people know they are being ridiculous. And that wins. That just wins. Spot the fuck on. To general shit, and then we'll do, uh... Now we're gonna do Everything's Racist next. Um, The Hill. And it happened. Lines to apply for New York driver's license go as far as around the block. The first day undocumented immigrants can apply for them. Where is ICE? Donald Trump. Next they'll be registering them to vote. That's the plan, you know. Anything goes to win in 2020. So now you have New York and California. There will be nothing but illegal votes. And I'm honestly saying this 100%. You want to play the Electoral College game? So do I. 
I do not think California and New York can be validated anymore for just citizens voting. I don't think it can happen. It is clearly obvious they're going to let illegals vote. They are not citizens. They don't have the right to vote. So their electoral college tally should go away to everything's racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? Honestly, my mom won't say it, but we're completely broke. And the only thing that's left in our name is this creepy old farmhouse my grandfather left us in the middle of nowhere. Why'd you bring me up here? Entertainment value. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Somehow, a town that isn't anywhere near a tectonic plate, that has no fault lines, no fracking, no loud music even, is shaking on a daily basis. Under the dining table now! Hey, remember that one summer we died under a table? I found this in my living room. Whoa, killer replica. A replica of what? A ghost trap? hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. New York in the 80s? It's like The Walking Dead. Your dad never mentioned this to you? It's just my mom. My grandfather died. My mom says we're just here to pick through the rubble of his life. the Ghostbuster thing and once again they come on the new movie and people are pissed up. Racist, misogynistic, toxicity, social justice warrior meltdown over the new Ghostbusters. Ever since Jason Reitman teased that would be rebooting the Ghostbuster franchise, social justice warriors who clamor to support the middle-aged all-female Ghostbusters reboot some years ago have been complaining about the decision. Now that a trailer has debuted, the anger has hit a fever pitch. Reitman is the son of original Ghostbuster director um, Ivan Reitman and his decision to jumpstart the Ghostbuster franchise after the disastrous 2016 effort came as a welcome surprise to Sony Pictures which has all but written it off <clears throat> save for a possible kids version it was a cartoon 
The trailer isn't being met with widespread applause, to be fair. Ghostbusters Afterlife is a darker and it seems more serious term for the series. And while it brings back familiar characters introducing a new generation of young Ghostbusters, the film is less in vain of the early 80s sci-fi comedy thriller and more like the Stranger Things stuff. Um, basically, Trump... Uh, here's Leslie Jones, who starred... Comparing Reitman reboot to something Trump would do, so insulting, like, fuck us, we don't count. It's like something Trump would do, Trump voice. Gonna redo Ghostbusters better with men will be huge, those women ain't Ghostbusters. Comic book and entertainment journalists held their fire until trailer debut. James McMahon said, uh, fuck the Ghostbuster trailer, you don't reward regressive fanboys, many of whom created an atmosphere of racist, misogynistic toxicity that led to leading lady leaving this very platform. By making the very film they wanted in the first place. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on and goes on and goes on. Then we have our super racist. The New Jersey shooting. Rashida Tlaib. This is heartbreaking. White supremacy kills. Then she deleted it. And then a New Jersey city councilman. Where is this type of attention from City Hall when Moorish people are getting gunned down left and right on the hill? Moorish being, of course, for those that don't know, and I'm not trying to insult my audience, African-American. It comes from the Moors and a little bit of that uh, Shakespeare. There was all this faith and hope when black homeowners were threatened, intimidated, and harassed by I want to buy your house brutes of the Jewish community. They brazenly came on the property of Ward F. Black homeowner and waved bags of money. Resistance was met with more threats of we will bring drug dealers and prostitutes to live next door to you. You will sell us to them. Where was this faith and hope? Who helped black people living in the rental properties owned by Jewish people but were given 30-day eviction notice so that the Jewish people can move in? The one million make-it-yours ads that mysterious appear in the New York City encouraging Jewish people to come to New Jersey City do not, um, not fight hate. Why was the Friends of the Lifers program destroyed? Why was the Second Chance program destroyed? Many of the community gardens tended by black people were eliminated. One will exist and has been harassed almost daily. Solomon Dweck did not spread faith and hope. He caused many reputation to be ruined. However, we learned six rabbis were accused of selling body parts. Where is the truth in these reports? If we're going to tell a narrative, it should begin with truth, not move, cover up to the truth. Dialogue is important, but the truth is critical. The Fulton Avenue Park Bethune Center parking lot story was not about faith and hope. It was about taking from one community and giving to the another community. There was no concern of faith and hope. This is just a portion of the pains of the black community now being ignored in this rush by faith and hope. And Mrs. Graham went directly to the kosher supermarket. I believe they knew they would come out in body bags. What is the message they were sending? Are we brave enough to explore the answer to their message? Are we brave enough to stop the assault on black communities of America? My people deserve respect and to live in peace in this city. I'm speaking as a private citizen, not as an elected member of the Jersey City Board of Education. These beliefs are mine and mine alone. And did you just not hear a black woman saying the black Israelites were right and those Jews had it coming? No carrying this on CNN. Nobody carried this on ABC, NBC, or CBS, or PBS. That is a direct Facebook post. It comes from Joan Terrell. Nobody cares. New York Times. 
The tides of anti-Semitism continue to rise higher and more government action is sorely needed. This week, President Trump took action, but he did as much to stir the waters as he did to settle them. See, you can't stop the narrative. That's what it's about. It's the narrative. Trump is anti-Semitist, racist piece of shit. Because we think it. When you have actual African Americans killing Jews, assaulting Jews, beating Jews in New York and New Jersey all the time, don't even report it. Why do you think people think most of you put out as bullshit? Why? This is the left. Why Jewish people vote for him, I don't know. But here's Joe Bo- J- Joe- Joy Behar saying pretty much the same thing. It's white supremacists. Don't talk about facts. Keep looking for tiki torches. The mayor of Jersey City this morning said that he believes that this kosher bodega was targeted mm-hmm. um, based on anti-Semitism. Now, none of the other law enforcement people are willing to say that yet, so I think we have to be careful about it. But if it was, um, then that makes it even more horrific yeah. um, for this for people to target that way. And then you look at the police officer, Detective Joseph Seals, who was murdered. He's a married father of five. It's terrible. Oh. And it just shot in the head um, and killed. And it's just an awful, awful thing. And what did he do? Didn't he just walk up to the car? He he walked up to he walked up to this the police are time. always on the front line. And they, it's and a they, very and they serious job. It's a really terrible yeah. thing. And, and we need to pray for this detective's family. Those five children lost oh. their dad. Yes. You will, you will concede that uh, the nationals, so these white nationalists have been let out of their holes. It's, listen, it's an awful, divisive time mm-hmm. when you're allowing folks to be able to express these kind of views, no matter how they are, no matter what the ethnic, religious bias they have. That's got no place in this country, never oh. has. And we, all of us, <clears throat> who feel that way, need to continue to be speaking out against it and drown their voices out. Well- But while we have black Israelites killing Jewish people and the media ignoring it because it doesn't fit their narrative, we have this, Annie Carney. The canceling of the White House media Christmas party was a story last year, and now it's just gone. It's not even a thing, like the press briefing and the New York Times WAPO subscriptions. Brian Seltzer, still a thing to me. Then people go on the tack. How many stories were there in the last year talking the steel dossier, etc., seriously? 300, 400, and you bemoan a Christmas party? I suggest you throw your own. You live in a bubble anyway. Weirdest ever was probably 1998, the same week I'm recently recalling this co- correctly, Joe Lockhart. The Clinton got impeached. No photo line for understandable reasons. They moved it into a tent out back. The people criticizing this tweet failed to understand that this isn't about a holiday party. It's about the signal being sent about the White House. Think of the media. It is intentional. The normalization of press being de- de- degenerated is deeply troubling somebody says well let's look at facts once again facts get in the way of a lot of things for you people on the left the media says they weren't going to go to the party trump canceled the party that's how it went down it wasn't the other way around the media who are supposed to be the objective arbiters of everything holy in america and decorum and informing they can't let it go that he bites back But when 95% of all stories put out are negative, there are 200 repetitions of impeachment, 200 repetitions of smoking gun, and you willfully pushing the Democrats to impeach him. Why the fuck would he throw a party, you moon bats? Jesus Christ. 
Then you got the the Atlantic, the miseducation of the American boy. This is gigantic, but I just want to read one part. I spent two years talking with boys across America, more than 100 of them between age 16 and 21, about masculinity, sex, and love, about the forces seen and unseen that shaped them as men. Though I spoke with boys of all races and ethnicities, I stuck to those who were in college or college-bound because, like it or not, they're the only ones most likely to set cultural norms. Nearly every guy I interviewed held relatively egalitarian views about girls, at least their role in the public sphere. They considered their female classmates to be smart and competent, entitled their place in the athletic field and school leadership, deserving their admission to college and of professional opportunities. They all had female friends. Most had gay male friends as well. That was a huge shift from what might have been 50, 40, maybe even 20 years ago. They could also easily reel off the excess of masculinity. They've seen the headlines about mass shootings, domestic violence, sexual harassment, campus rape, presidential Twitter tantrums and Supreme Court confirmation hearings. A Big Ten football player interviewed bandied about the term toxic masculinity. Everyone knows what this is, he said. Then I seemed surprised. Sydney Watson sums up. Dating as a millennial is miserable. I feel like I'm wading through a sea of soy boys and male feminists. I say it on the show all the time. Be careful for you what you wish for, liberals. GQ, why the codpiece remains one of the menswear's most essential accessories. I was in the military, I wouldn't wear my codpiece. Why the fuck you want your codpiece slapping your balls every time you walk? I do not know. Megan Fox, her kids go to a vegan school, teaches them plants have feelings, thoughts, and emotions. That's what we need our boys to have. We need them to have this. I mean, when I saw this article, I was just in shock. Yeah, congratulations, congratulations, liberals. You fucked up a generation of kids. And you're starting to see the effects of pajama boys. At least my daughter is. She's dating a guy who has a job, is responsible, treats her like a lady, doesn't try to bang her on the first date, and she's just in shock. And I go, well, you married a protesting liberal fucktard, and you wonder why your marriage didn't work. I didn't say it in those terms, because that would be mean, but, I mean, seriously, what did you expect? You were the man. And even though she's a feminazi, I think she's figuring it out. No, you want an equal, not a subordinate. But most liberals, they want subordinate males. And they write articles like this. This is a real article. It hurts my spleen. New York Times. The distribution of shells in one hermit crab population was surprisingly similar to the distribution of wealth in human societies. That may make hermit crabs one of the first animals known to experience wealth inequality. I could have just done a whole show on just the section. You understand that, right? But I don't have time this week. I- I'm fucking believable. A study that will be published next month in the journal Physica A found that the distribution of these shells in one hermit crab population was surprisingly similar to the distribution of wealth in human societies. They may make crabs the most blah, blah, blah. Dr. Ivan Chase thinks the resemblance between crab and human inequity might come from the similarities between crab vacancy chains and the way people pass on wealth. While smaller crabs don't exactly inherit Well, from bigger crabs, the larger shells are a scarce resource that only a few crabs are privileged enough to get their claws on. 
John Paul Zado. This is because crabs have never tried real socialism. If they think, if they tried crab communism years and years ago, but even that wasn't real communism. I mean, ser- this is an article. And this is what our kids are getting shoved in their head. Our boys are getting shoved in their head. We went liberal, everybody gets a trophy to liberal, you're evil. You're a piece of shit because you have a ball and a cock. And yet they don't fulfill their own bullshit. Biden boasts about supporting equal pay. His female Senate staffers average 67% of men's pay over 35 fucking years. 35 years. He's a guy on the stage. Women, blah, blah, blah. They never back it up. Me too. All liberals. Majority liberals. It wasn't conservatives fucking butt-fucking women. It was liberals. Then you have this shit. Because this is all the liberal shit. I I literally titled it liberal shit. Long-standing Sacramento restaurants closing up shop citing minimum wage hike. In 2020, as of January 1st, California minimum wage will rise to 13 per hour for businesses that employ 26 workers or more and 12 per hour for businesses with few workers. By 2023, minimum wage in the state will be mandated at $15 an hour. And this is what you're getting. End of an era in Sacramento, the restaurant Perry's. Shut its doors today after 30 years in business, saying they can't afford to stay open because of the increase in the minimum wage. And it's not the only Sacramento staple hurting. CBS 13's Rob Malcolm is live at OPA's in Sacramento, also shutting its doors soon. Rob. Yeah, that's right, Steve. You know, OPA, OPA has been a staple in East Sacramento since 2006. Like many restaurants, as you mentioned, they can't afford California's new minimum wage laws. But luckily, the community stepped in. They're going to close, but they delayed that closing until December 29th. But other restaurants weren't so lucky. Earlier today, we visited Perry's Restaurant on Highway 99 in South Sac. For 30 years, the family restaurant has been the go-to place for cops, truckers, and customers looking for late-night eats. California's minimum wage of $13 an hour takes effect January 1st and applies to employers with 26 or more workers. Here at Perry's, the writing was on the wall, and serving meals on the final day wasn't easy for Paul Fraga, who bought the business from the original owner 10 years ago. California's rough state to, to do small business. I mean, they want everybody to make $20 an hour, but for the small guy, we, I, I can't afford that. I really can't. Minimum wage, food costs, insurance, um, rent, utilities, I mean, on and on and on. It's full of expenses. And employers with 26 or fewer workers will have to pay a minimum wage of $12 an hour. This will be the fourth consecutive year the minimum wage has seen an increase, Steve. All right, Rob. A changing landscape on the restaurant scene. Thanks for that. I've eaten at that Opa, Opa place. It was really good. I covered down on a store there. Granted, most of the time I eat round table pizza because I loved it. I'd buy a case of uh, Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve and drink beer all night, which is rare for me, but I love that beer. But that's a blue state. That's what they do. Another one, Wisconsin. Out of Wisconsin, six illegal aliens have been charged with sexually assaulting and trafficking a girl under the age of 16. And they're not deported. 
Clean up an aisle three. Horrifying scene shows what is going on in Pelosi's district. A disturbing scene unfolded in San Francisco over the weekend as numerous people posted on social media about a man who walked into a Safeway grocery store and defecated in the middle. He went right to the fucking toilet paper aisle. He was on a mission. The incident reportedly happened at a Safeway in northern San Francisco inside House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's district with a store employee telling the Daily Wild that the incident happened on Sunday. Employee who did not wish to be named because they'll be scalded for talking to the Daily Wire said that when they arrived at work today that the other employees were talking about the incident from yesterday, which employees said was the first time that it happened inside the store. Employees said the public defecation has become such a problem in San Francisco Cisco, that people in the area love when it rains because it cleans off the street. That is just horrible. Journalist Deborah Kahn tweeted out a photo of the incident and wrote in a tweet to Mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, here's a pic of a man on drugs taking a poo in aisle 10, a Safeway Marina Sunday morning in San Francisco. Why is this okay? Congressional candidate John Dennis is cleaning, running for Pelosi's seat as a Republican. He'll never win it. <clears throat> wrote in a tweet, clean up in aisle three. Thank you, Nancy Pelosi. I publicly warned in 2018 that if we let people violate our street and homeless problem would get worse. The answer, arrest, then offer a choice, jail or rehab. Just got this photo, homeless man defecating in our local Safeway. Between 2011 and 2018, San Francisco experienced a massive increase in reported incidents of human feces found on public streets. In 2011, just over 500,000, or sorry, 5,500 reports were lodged by the San Francisco Department of Public Works. In 2018, it has increased to 28,000. Open the books, tweets. Lately, there has been a brownout in Bay Area. Since 2011, there have been at least 118,352 reported incidents of human fecal matter on city streets. The problem is so bad that they have the poop patrol, which we've talked about before, a map to show where it is. They had to go out and buy a steam cleaner to sanitize it. London Breed said in a recent interview, I will say there's more feces on the sidewalks than I've ever seen growing up here. That is a huge problem. We are not just talking about from dogs. We're talking about from humans. I don't think that the city is poorly spending what it already has. I spent a lot of time on Fillmore Street. I see the people who are, are part of the program out there power washing. They're out there doing what they can to keep the community clean almost every day. And then right after they leave, maybe an hour or two later, the place is filled with trash again. Yeah, but we're giving transgender sex changes under California Medicare. Yeah, good job. Stephanie Iris Weiss, I am really sad. I love my friends in the UK and dumb, bigoted Muppet is running your country and is about to starve you of medicine and food and start a global depression. And make no mistake, Putin rigged yours like he rigged ours. Your leaders are just complicit toadies. I did not cover it, but the left and the media lost it because the dude in Britain got more people. They're going right. Riverside County Sheriff's Department. It's starting to get to the point where I'm not going to go to Starbucks. We are aware of the cop with no coffee incident that occurred in Riverside on 12-12-19 involving our RSO deputies. We're in communication with Starbucks Corporate addressing the issue of deputies being denied service. Starbucks issued an apology Saturday after the Riverside County Sheriff. Two of his deputies were refused service at a Riverside location 
this week. The officers were ignored for nearly five minutes on Thursday evening at a Starbucks on University Avenue near the University of California, Riverside. A spokesperson for the coffee retailer confirmed Saturday the representatives of Starbucks has reached out to the officers to apologize over the encounter, which the company believes is a case of bad customer service. Oh, really? Because I just talked about one. Hmm. They asked, is anyone going to help them? They were laughed at. They were completely ignored, obviously ignored. Other patrons knew they were being ignored. Here's a statement from Starbucks, which they probably have a template for, for it seems to happen every week. There's simply no excuse for how two Riverside deputies were ignored for nearly five minutes at their store Thursday evening. We're deeply sorry and reached out to apologize directly to them. We take full responsibility, blah, blah, blah. This is wrong. We're going to take appropriate steps. Will you fire them? James A. Gagliano, will Starbucks close down 8,000 stores as they did in April 2018 for racial bias training? Anti-kite bias has occurred in a number of Starbucks of recent, a pattern of hatred. Will there be a corporate response to insensitivity and bigotry? Don't hold your breath. And that's true. When it was race and those people got arrested and then got released because nobody wanted the NAACP mafiaing them, they close their stores down for racial training. <clears throat> but this is like number five, six. How many have there been? To our climate and a soundbite. crisis that condemns our children to an ever hotter planet their only home ravaged by storms at least three dozen tornadoes reported the record-breaking storm floods droughts and heat waves temperature records broken by the hundred this is as bad as i've ever saw wildfires nine people are confirmed dead in northern california disasters that force millions of families to flee we have a choice a once or perhaps a last in a lifetime chance to rescue the world we know and the hopes of billions not yet born. You didn't hear a lot of specifics on climate change from the debate because they think that it's too complicated an issue. 
you. We can squander that chance on business as usual, allow corporate cash to cloud our judgment. We sat down with the executives from Halliburton. They have a really a benign frack food, as you can drink it. Sell public offices to the highest bidder. We have ended the war. Tired politicians tell us to lower our sights. The Green New Deal is a radical move toward a socialist energy and economic policy. To curb our ambitions, to settle for the status quo. We're here asking you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. That resolution will not pass the Senate. They badly underestimate the urgency of this moment and the power of our persistence. We can choose a different path, demand respect for humanity, for all creation, dare a new generation to dream again. Our house is on fire and we should get angry. Oh, I my world collapsing around me, push me to action. This is not just a native issue. This is about humanity. This is a movement driven by our nation's true leaders. Should not be partisan. We're running out of time, so America's got to lead the charge here. Climate change is one of the most urgent matters of our generation. A people unfettered by fear. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. Those who say it cannot be done should not interrupt those who are already doing it. That was from Andrew Romanoff. He's a Democratic congressman in Colorado, and apparently climate is his top priority. It's such a big deal that he came out with a four-plus-minute campaign ad about how we're probably going to die if he doesn't get elected. The actual tweet with that propaganda. The climate crisis posed a threat unlike any in human history. It's a catastrophe of our own creation. But it doesn't have to end this way. We can choose a different path. No, it's already over. You already told us we're going to die. You can't go back from we're going to die. Daily Mail, Greta Thunberg tells cheering crowd, we'll make sure we put world leaders against the wall. The COP25 meeting, which is happening in Madrid right now, is almost over. And we unfortunately probably already know the outcome. World leaders are still trying to run away from their responsibilities. But we have to make sure that they cannot do that. We will make sure they that we put them against the wall and that they will have to do their job and to protect our futures. I remember a few months ago when I first saw the pictures from the strike in Torino. And when I saw those pictures of countless of people just filling up the streets, I felt so hopeful. Millions of people saw those photographs and that gave hope to millions of people. So thank you to the city of Torino. Bravo! Wow. <clears throat> Nobody had a problem with that. Nobody. Daddy Warping, we'll put world leaders against the wall if they don't tackle global warming. Threatening to execute world leaders seems kind of anger management issues having 
to me, you know, when she's literally arguing for the murder of government officials, I think we could stop with the, you can't criticize her, she's just a child shtick. Then she tweeted that she was on an overcrowded train. Then the train company calls her out. Far-left extremist Greta Thunberg tweeted a photograph of herself riding on a train over the weekend that showed her sitting on the floor while complaining about the train supposedly being overcrowded. Traveling on an overcrowded train through Germany, Thunberg said, I am finally on my way home. The Guardian reported that it's a two-part tweet. Dutch Bonn responded to Thunberg's tweet, writing, Dear Greta, Thank you for supporting us railroaders in the fight against climate change. We were happy that you traveled with us on Saturday in the Ice 74. But it would have been even nicer had you also reported how friendly and competently you were looked after by our team at your seat in first class. Yeah. After being repeatedly mocked online over the incident, Thunberg claimed our train from Basel was taken out of traffic, so we sat on the floor for two different trains. After Gotten, I got a seat. There was no problem, of course. I never said it was. Overcrowded train is a great sign because it means the demand for train travel is high. Thunberg has been the center controversy over all her craziness, but once again, it just proves what she is. A fucking propaganda tool used by her parents in another liberal example of abusing children. Because that's what it is. Asperger fucking autistic kid used as a prop. But our best comes from CBS News. Under our climate, which we seem to be closing the show with climate instead of crime now. World must hit peak meat by 2030 to avoid climate crisis, scientists say. With livestock production contributing to climate change, people need to drastically reduce how much meat they eat. Peak meat. Yes, there were plenty of responses with peak stupid. And then our last story. Oh my God, you have two dogs, Greta Thunberg. Environmentalists to save the world. Dump your pets. Study your dog or cat is probably killing the environment. And if you want to stem the tide of global warming, it's time to say goodbye to Fido and Fluffy. The study, which appears in the online journal PLOS, claims the human compulsion to seek out animal companionship is one of the primary factors affecting our climate, particularly in the United States, where there are 163 million companion animals, roughly one pet for every two Americans, the highest number of any in the world. Researchers at the University of Sydney in Australia claim that those 163 million pets have detrimental impact on the environment, from the food they consume to the waste they produce. In the U.S., there are more than 163 million dogs and cats that consume a significant portion of their diet animal products and therefore potentially constitute a considerable dietary footprint, the study abstract proclaims. Here, the energy and animal-derived products consumption of the pet in the U.S. is elevated for the first time, as are the environmental impacts from the animal products fed to them, including feces production, a biodegradable thing that actually helps the environment and improves production of crops, you fucking jackasses. So now, dog farts, which are vile, mind you. They're killing the planet. So, let's go to our lighter fare. 
And we'll start with SNL. Everybody's talking about impeachment, and they basically mock everybody because their ratings are going to shit. And they dare mock Greta Thunberg because this will be our last Christmas. Enjoy. Okay, other lighter fare stuff that I wanted to play, but I'm I'm way over, and I knew I was going to be because I'm trying to cram a lot into one podcast. So Sunday could be Christmas, and of course, then we're at Christmas Day, and I'll make it up and get a good one for next week before we do our year in review, which I'm already working on. I wanted to recognize Penne Sewell for winning the Outland Trophy. I would play a soundbite, but I don't think I really need to. And um, I will save the I Love My Duck stuff that I wanted to play and my Packer stuff for the Christmas show. So we'll listen to some uh, Penne Sewell stuff, some Packer stuff, and some Duck stuff. Um, and I'll even throw another soundbite. I had a spirit video of kids. It was really super cute um, that I didn't get to play today, but I'll get it in there. And we'll just go straight into our This Is America. It is Chris Cuomo telling us that we're not real Christians and we don't want to punish Trump. And then Ezra Klein and Christina Amanpour. The question was, is this why America's polarized? Because they were talking about the impeachment. And those two biased people, Ezra Klein, being asked about polarization when he creates polarization was just comedic as fuck this is america don't catch you slipping now don't catch you slipping now look what i'm whipping now this is america don't catch you slipping now don't catch you slipping now it's time for the last soundbite like the media say when they are pushing the liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Should you be defending a man when you know it will force you to own the ugliness that he spits out so often that you can't possibly agree with? For example, attacking Nancy Pelosi with a tweet about her teeth falling out. Unorthodox, they say. And he's frustrated, they say. What they don't say is what they would say immediately if anyone else said anything like this. So the question becomes, how do you keep your credibility with this kind of silence? Let's bring in former Republican Congressman Sean Duffy. Blessings for Christmas for you and the family. Thanks for being with me. You too, Chris. Happy, uh, Merry Christmas. So you get the question, you know, yeah. telling the president he's right is being a follower. Telling him he's wrong is being a leader. And nobody seems to want to do that in your party. You guys will say, well, we don't like everything he says. No, you never say that you don't like what he says. None of you will say he should not have said that about Nancy Pelosi. It was an ugly remark that is beneath the presidency. When we all say it's our responsibility, whether we're in our homes or our communities or our conversations, to be more respectful with one another. I think that's what what it really comes down to. Because why would I take that message from you when you refuse to call out the person who says so, the ugliest uh, things most constantly. So I, I don't know if you called out Maxine Waters when she said go after them in gas stations and in restaurants or when they went after of Ted Cruz we did. or Sarah Sanders. I can't believe that your argument is there are people who support the president who feel that he's uh, taking too much criticism, so they are okay 
with him saying that Nancy Pelosi's teeth are falling out. Where is your high ground but, but you morally okay if you Nancy won't call po- it out? But do you think it's okay for Nancy to post, Pelosi to call into question his manhood or to call him an imposter? She says she prays for him every day no, and doesn't hate him. Why can't he say something no, gratuitously no, but, nice? Remind me, Sean, are you a Christian? I think I am, yeah. And your party, okay. by, your, your party basically uh, wants to make Christianity the religion of this country, but certainly the guiding no. light of its party. No. And this is my point. We want the freedom of religion, the freedom to... Yeah, right, which which often gets translated first. into the ability to discriminate against others. What I'm no, saying no, is no, this. I mean, if you want to hold yourself as a Christian, you can't make any of the arguments you're making right now. So I, I want to ask you, you sort of pull out a little bit and get to the bigger picture around this polarization, which has been sort of accelerating over the last several political cycles. And, and sort of what drove parties and people to, to break apart along ideological lines. In your book, in your book, you talk about, you know, uh, about all sorts of issues such as, you know, race one of them, um, obviously economics as well. Uh, what do you think is the main reason that this has happened in this country? So uh, a, a few things on this. So my book comes out January 28th. Thank you for mentioning it. Um, why we're polarized. The big picture that I'm drawing in there, and this is based on a lot of political science research and survey research, is that what you've had over the past 50 years is a sorting in which the two political parties, Republican and Democratic parties, have become the host of a lot of other uh, deep identities in American life. So if you go back to, say, the 50s, you had a lot of liberal Republicans and conservative Democrats. You don't have that anymore, so ideology sorted. If you go back to the 50s, you had a lot less sorting by race in this country. There are more black Republicans there where, you know, the, the parties were more mixed uh, racially. Now, non-white voters are overwhelmingly clustered in the Democratic Party. I think 44% of Democratic voters are non-white, and um, the Republican Party is over 90% white. Religion, similarly, the Democratic Party and Republican parties used to be similarly overwhelmingly Christian. Now, the Democratic Party's single largest religious group is people who don't have a religious affiliation at all. Democrats end up being a coalition of people without a religious affiliation, liberal Christians, African-American Christians, Jews, Buddhists, agnostics. The Republican Party is overwhelmingly Christian. Um, Geography, we have a much larger rural-urban divide. Uh, It used to be the case that the density of a place you lived did not have a lot to say about what its politics were. Now density is overwhelmingly predictive of politics. I can go into much more here, but the basic thing that has happened is that the parties have sorted such that all of these identities and disagreements are on two different sides. Mm-hmm. And that makes the parties much more different than each other. Polarization is a very rational response for the other party becoming more different from you. Mm-hmm. It having a scarier idea uh, for you of what they would do if they were elected. Mm-hmm. To go back to the period when Roe was decided, you can actually go look at the Republican platform from that year. And it says that in our party are people who believe that abortion should be available in all cases and people believe that it should be illegal in all cases and we respect those differences. Um, a couple years later and as time went on, the two parties would polarize very much on this issue. But that's another way in which you could have been a pro-life voter in the Democratic Party or a pro-choice voter in the Republican Party for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's no longer really true. Um, it's very clear what side of the divide those parties line up on. Literally, totally lacking any self awareness on that one for all of them and to ever tell anybody literally that you can't be a christian because you don't believe what i believe is that very christian i don't think so i'll even throw in um this i guess i got time i can read this one this is pretty funny this was a twitter thread about um nancy pelosi twas the night before impeachment um and i don't want to put it in our politics 
or any politics in the Christmas one. But this is pretty funny. This is from Michael Blood. Twas a night for impeachment, twas the eve of impeachment, when all through D.C. the swamp rants were dancing, sipping Chablis. The article set on the dais with care in hopes that Pelosi would soon be there. Journos were bunked in the Capitol's hallway, while visions of headlines entranced them like them like always. Nance in her pantsuit and Schiff in a tie were prepping their openers, should they testify. When out of the grounds there arose such a clatter, they ran from their office to check on the matter. Away to the window they flew like a nutter. Schiff's necks a-wobbling, Nancy all a-sputter. When what to their wondering eyes would arise but a black limousine and eight Russian spies. With a hearty old driver so clever and plump, they knew in a moment it was Donald Trump. More rapid than SEAL teams, his champions they came. And he whistled and tweeted and called them by name. Now Nunez, now Jordan, now Getz and Stefanik. Oh, Lindsay, oh, Barr, on Collins and Gomer. To the top of the stairs, the top of the dome. Now dash away, dash away, dash away home. So up the rotunda, his coursers, they flew with car, car full of voters and the president, too. And then in a twinkling, they heard from upstairs, mass clicking of keyboards as Trump team prepared. As Schiff steadied his head and the spot on his heel, the limo appeared with Trump at the wheel. He was dressed to the nines from his head to his toe. With a button that flashed, there was no quid pro quo. Firing tweets at incredible speed, he called out Dems and their sad pointless screen. His eyes flashing brightly, his coif was perfection, still fit a fiddle for his re-election. A wry, knowing grin on the clean-shaven face, he waggled his ring finger at Dems in disgrace. A white, well-worn smartphone held tight in his hand. He tweeted out memes and seer reprimands. He held all the cards and Democrats knew it. Which hunt impeachment, Dems totally blew it. Trump did what he said, all promises kept. Schiff and Pelosi bowed deeply and wept. A wink of his eye and twist of his head soon gave Dems to know they had plenty to dread. Trump spoke few words and went straight to his work, emptied their stock to turn with a smirk, laying his finger atop of his phone, proclaimed that D.C. was a witch hut free zone. He sprung to his car to the voters. He tweeted, victory's ours, Dems will be defeated. And they heard him exclaim, ere he marked their lame sham. Happy Christmas to all from your favorite Uncle Sam. And I thought that was pretty funny. And it sums up how you'll be on this if you're severe progressive. It is just holy sacred ground. If you're not, it's just a goat fuck. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. And send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Google, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. I fucked it up, but you know where it's at. Remember to check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Once again, our next podcast will be on Sunday. It'll be the Christmas one. Um, and then probably go with Monday, a podcast, uh, cover the impeachment vote, which is today, um, and ramifications from then. And then a quick year of review. Won't be as long as usually, but we'll do that. And then we'll start a new podcast, uh, second, third, something like that. Start 2020 off with more shows. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Enjoy the climate weather that we're having right now, which is fantastic in the south. It's going to be chilly, but we'll warm up for Christmas and then go back to chilly. Spend time with your families. It's the Christmas season. And as always, I thank you all for listening and take care.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.